0: And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. Uh, So it is the month of February 2021, which means it is Sports Movie Month. Um, Essentially, what we're going to be doing from week to week is uh, taking a look at sports drama films. Uh, So every week, we'll be taking a look at a different kind of sport and a different film, And uh, Kyle had the first pick here. And uh, Kyle, what would that film be? Uh, The film is Vision Quest from 1985. One of, and
1: maybe the first of a handful of wrestling movies. Uh, Has Matthew Modine, uh, Linda, how do you say her name? Fiorentino. Fiorentino. Ronnie Cox for about five seconds. Uh, (laughs) Forrest Whitaker for about five seconds. The guy from The Thing. Uh, has the coach. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, this is one that I, uh, I watched in high school. I've only seen this a couple of times and it was in high school, uh, wrestled in high school, so it just kind of made its way around the team like we all watched it. And we all agreed that uh, Loudon Swain is probably one of the most uncomfortable characters to interact with a human woman. Uh, <laughs> it gets very awkward in this movie. Um, but this is one that you've heard of and I don't know if I told you about it or you'd heard about it before. Uh, but I'm like, if you like... 80s sports movies, 80s sports drama, this is kind of a, you need to check this off your list because it's corny, but it also has, it it has some good elements, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, Rocky kind of set the trend um, back in 1976 with uh, sports drama based around the concept of of heart, I guess. Um, It's, generally you have a protagonist with a a heart of gold of some sort, Um, you could argue (laughs) that... uh, Daniel LaRusso, maybe not so much. And Loudon Swain is kind of a smart it's, ass. It's, Loudon um, Swain it
1: focuses around his dick. This is literally the opposite of Rocky, where it's like he's <laughs> thinking with his dick.
0: Yeah, and he's, he's kind of a self-centered individual as well. Um, but he's also an overachiever, which puts him in a, a very strange class of a sports movie protagonists, because mm-hmm. Rocky, again, kind of set the trend for the, the underdog story. And Karate Kid follows the exact same template and is in fact directed by the exact same guy. Um, whereas Loud and Swain, um, from literally minute one, were shown that he is a he's a wrestling machine, and not only that, uh, he hits the books pretty regularly, and he's not he's not dense. Like he's a very well-rounded individual, um, except when it comes to dealing with the opposite sex, <laughs> um, he's well, kind of clueless.
1: Wrestling is an interesting sport for a sports drama because. Well, Boxing is about the individual, you know, like, I guess like the underdog, but you don't, you don't fight for a team. You fight for yourself. And then a team sport like basketball, you have a role within that, that bigger team and you have to depend on other people at certain times. Wrestling is a team sport where you are responsible for your end completely and you can't rely on anybody else. So it makes sense that you would have a character who's an overachiever in this kind of scenario because you kind of have to be
0: yeah um in that way it's kind of fascinating because wrestling on paper seems ripe for for good drama like good film drama and yet like you had said there aren't that many wrestling films out there not any of like significance anyway like they do come they do come about every once in a while i think like john cena did one of them a few years ago i think he just played a coach in it or something there have been a sprinkling of wrestling movies especially in recent days and stuff especially with a lot of wrestling kind of serving as a little bit of a pipeline for MMA these days. Um, But in terms of like sheer number of sports dramas being produced, uh, wrestling is, is, there's very few and far between. I mean, there's probably more about distance running than there are wrestling.
1: Well, I think that uh, if you get the right person to write the film and direct the film you can actually come out with a really good wrestling, uh, wrestling film because there is drama behind it uh, like wrestling for varsity spots, cutting weight is a huge thing uh, and especially cutting weight and trying to maintain uh, your grades in the winter time is tough uh, so I think there, there is quite a bit that you could do with a wrestling movie and this movie kind of touches on that a little bit
0: yeah, I would classify this more as a coming-of-age drama that just happens to be centered around wrestling. Um, this, the number of wrestling sequences in the film, there's there's a fair amount of training sprinkled throughout, but I think and Swain only participates in about three matches total, which actually isn't that few, um, but in terms of screen time, it's very little. I love the
1: training scenes, and I wish we had a lot more of them, because it was it was taking me back. I'm like, I remember doing this shit. And, and little things, like, you can, there are so many particular things that you do in wrestling training that you're like, what, I don't even understand what this is for. Or if you were an outsider looking in, like, what are they even doing? Specifically, I love uh, the sit-ups that he's doing with Cooch. And I'm like, oh my god, I completely forgot about the sit-ups. Uh, yeah. And I forgot looking back at my wrestling pictures in high school, my neck was huge <laughs> because you kind of that's it's one part of your body that you need to work out but it's kind of hard to focus on uh safely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's very true. Um but yeah, uh, we may as well say this up front, much like we did with video game movie month, uh for sports movie month, we may as well just share a little bit of our personal background with yeah. the sport in question. So obviously in case you couldn't tell based on some of the details that Kyle's been sharing here, uh You've done some wrestling at some point in your life, correct?
1: Yeah, I, I wrestled in high school. I wrestled varsity. I uh, wrestled 119 and then uh, 130 my junior and senior year. Uh, I, it, it, wrestling is a strange sport. Uh, there's kind of a love and hate relationship with it. Like, practice is tough. I had two ex-Marines as uh, who, who both wrestled in the Marines as uh, head coaches. So... I don't know if it was because of them or just wrestling practice sucked but it was tough uh it it was it was very tough in practice but I was telling you before we started recording like yeah it was tough but like the feeling at tournaments and meets when you just annihilate somebody like oh there's no there's no better feeling but as the season progresses and you're kind of tired of cutting weight each week you just kind of you start to lose a little bit of uh a little bit of fire near the end and I remember at some points, I'm just like, I'm kind of done. Like, I don't even care. Like, I, I just want to be done with this. I want to eat again. Um, but but that's another problem. That's more cutting weight in a healthy way, which I, I'll touch on a little bit later. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's fun. It, ultimately, <laughs> it was fun.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds like it. I mean, it was kind of interesting to, to listen to you talk before we started recording and see you kind of, like, wax nostalgic for a different time in your life. And there is something to be said for not just training, like, you and I, we both keep in shape. You especially, um, but like you, like you said before, we started recording. Like that extra push to like to get to the next level of physicality is not there because you just don't have the motivation. But um, motivation can come in the form of a another person that is going to, you know, potentially harm you and or hum- humiliate you in front of a crowd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like having that very distinct goal, um, and then measuring up to it is, you know, that that's what life is about. Um, honestly, it's a, it's about identifying challenges or goals for yourself and actually, you know, taking a swing at them.
1: Can not tell you something funny that I did? Actually, it was a couple of months ago. I was uh, going for a run one day and I was just kind of hitting a wall and I had to finish up with like a couple of sprints and for some reason my my friends like "You gotta make weight <laughs> and I started sprinting I'm like shit i gotta I gotta make weight I don't know it was a weird little push that I had and it actually it came from wrestling <laughs> it was complete it was a it was a fiction that I made up but it was just like it was funny that's what my brain went to
0: I can't I can't actually put the reference together in my head I've got brain fog going right now but i I, I think it was. It wasn't The Simpsons, or maybe it was, but it involved a paddle being reintroduced to a school. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a moment where someone slaps the paddle again. Oh, it was King of the Hill. <laughs> um, it was King of the Hill. And, I, think uh, I, know, Peg-
1: I think I know that episode.
0: <laughs> and and it, it just brings to mind this reference where Peggy is having trouble at school because she can't manage the students. They're rebelling against her. So she brings a paddle, and she's hanging out with the adults, the, the former high school students, like her husband and his friends. And she slaps the paddle against the surface and we just get the shot of all of their rear ends, like stiffening up, <laughs> like I reflexively. Seen,
1: I think I've actually seen that one. That sounds
0: familiar. Yeah. Oh, it, it was great. But like, just makes me think of like, <laughs> you got to make weight. And it's like, your body just knows what to yeah. do. Like without thinking, it's like, well, I guess I got to do some wind sprints. Yep. <laughs> but, um, for me, um, obviously, uh, Kyle is very well versed in the world of wrestling and, uh, I am not at all. Um, I, of course, have seen a couple of wrestling matches here and there. Um, I, I'm i very interested in combat sports in general. Um, wrestling, not so much. Um, but if you if you follow the news in those other categories, it kind of bleeds over a little bit sometimes. Um, but yeah, even in terms of like the rule set, this movie actually served as like a proper introduction for me. And it's kind of interesting because I think it speaks to the quality of the filmmaking that none of it, none of it, is spelled out to you at all um we don't have those exposition dumps where the coach looks directly into the camera and says oh you got to do this technique to get these points for this reason and like it's all just explained to you through visual storytelling and i didn't feel lost at all um and it was thrilling to watch i mean i think we can both agree the the final wrestling match in particular is it's thrilling and it feels fucking genuine
1: excellent i was actually like the movie kind of trudges along you're just like okay come on with the drama and when you get to that final match like it it's pretty fucking electrifying I I, I enjoyed it this time Uh, I was like fucking get him dude (laughs) get out of this shit I'm like I'm wrestling
0: dad over here like
1: fucking penalty what the hell he can't do that
0: Going like, sir we're gonna have to ask you to leave I'm like fuck oh, you man. that's bullshit
1: wrestling parents aren't like baseball parents it's a little different but occasionally you get some trashy people in there like kick his ass son like
0: oh uh, yeah man, no like I, I seen i seen some uh duck hunting hats um at a couple of uh, <laughs> at a couple of wrestling meets i've been to and actually this is a, a weird anecdote it's not especially meaningful or insightful but i just felt like sharing it um i actually went to uh, it was like a literally mixed martial arts event because so it was like kickboxing brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling everything in between um and again a lot of duck hunting hats in that crowd you know <laughs> but um oh fun fact uh, demetrius johnson uh, served as a corner person for one of the contestants mm. um aka mighty mouse like one of the best ufc fighters of all time uh, he's no That's longer awesome. with that organization but um he's i think he was a uh, bantamweight but at the time when I was there like he was he was a name like that was a big fucking deal but anyway I just remember watching uh, a couple of wrestling matches with very young children and having a thought to myself like wow people are really cut from really like massively different cloth um, because yeah. I didn't have that in me like I had no desire to rough house in that fashion but it seems so natural to these kids um, and you know, with their support system, cheering them on and whatnot, obviously they came from an environment where that was encouraged, but it kind of reminded me that it's like, you know, actually when, when people use that phrase, boys will be boys. I think, I think it's about like 80, 20 in terms of like little boys that rough house like that and ones that don't. So I'm like, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> like I guess I was, I, I wasn't one of those kids apparently. What's interesting is,
1: uh, wrestling was my like kind of. Uh, gateway into watching MMA, which I don't really watch MMA anymore. I'm not paying for that shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm not paying for that, Dana. Um, but it's interesting. I'll I'll watch matches now, like just highlights and stuff like that, and I can tell who the wrestlers are and who who haven't. Like I remember what was it? When McGregor fought uh, uh, Diaz the first time. And Diaz is like, "Oh fuck, you're a wrestler now, huh?" <laughs> it's really funny. I'm like, <laughs> um, and then I paid attention to that. I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's yeah." Uh, McG- McGregor's not a he's not a grappler. He's not a wrestler.
0: No, but he gets gassed and he needs to find a way out of sticky yeah. situations. Probably not a good idea to do that, though, with a guy who's very at home on the mat. <laughs> once don't, once you're there, anyway. Don't go like, to the
1: ground with the Diaz. That's yeah, a bad how, idea. How, how
0: you get there is one thing, but do you want to stay there? Probably you wanna not. You want to be on top if you're on, <laughs> if you're on the ground with the Diaz. <laughs> but I used to like uh, Matt Hughes back in the day. He had a yeah. running gag of... Uh, like. People always asking for him to knock people out, and he was like, "Sorry, <laughs> so I'm like that's not what I do. I just wrestle." But wrestling is really fascinating because, um, like you said, you can tell the people that do it, um, and it was actually really cool watching a uh, fox catcher mm. and uh, seeing Channing Tatum and uh, Mark Ruffalo embody that. Like they have a gait, like they have a way of carrying themselves. And one thing that's unique to wrestlers, um, especially in like the mixed martial arts or like boxing world. Um, is that this was told to me by a guy who used to wrestle back in the day um, I guess it's very common for them to put their like their plant leg or their stronger leg anyway forward um, which is unusual for like a, a striking sport or a striking martial art of some sort um, uh, and you see that sometimes with, with wrestlers
1: I actually don't I noticed that I lead with my left uh, left leg was always my leading leg oh, wow I don't know why <laughs> well, th- it doesn't feel right with the right. It just doesn't feel like that doesn't
0: Yeah. Well because... maybe maybe uh maybe your right or your left is like your utility leg rather rather than your strength leg or something. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Ugh. Well, anyway, uh yeah. we should probably talk about the movie. Uh, so yeah. this is Vision Quest from nineteen eighty five, directed by Harold Becker, uh who has I wanna say kind of a spotty record to be honest, as a director. Like he's been working, um not well, though. <laughs> like, the, 90, the 90s and the early 2000s in particular were not kind to him. Um, he has a movie called Taps that, uh, just based on the cast, I can tell you was probably a big deal when it came out, although I haven't seen it. So it has George C. Scott, Timothy Hutton, who was a big deal back in the day, not so much anymore. He transitioned to TV. Ronnie Cox, of course. Um, must be his lucky Charm, much like uh, Michael Caine and Christopher Nolan, or something, and Tom Cruise, a very young Tom Cruise and Sean Penn. Um, so obviously that was probably a big deal in 1981. But the the two movies that jump out at me as being maybe a sign of him not being what he once was are uh, *Mercury Rising* um, and *Domestic Disturbance* back to back. *Mercury Rising* was of course a pretty f- pretty flat and vanilla Bruce Willis thriller. Um, that uh, kind of set back our understanding of autism, like, many, many decades. <laughs> um, the Predator didn't help. Yeah. and uh, Oh, fuck The Predator. Yeah. Fuck that. Ooh, that was rough. Like, Shane Black, we, we love you for some reasons, and that's not one of them. <laughs> but uh, Domestic Disturbance was another one that... Um, it's like a John Travolta and Vince Vaughn yeah. thriller that... It ends with a da- it ends with a dad fight in a garage. That's so kind of fun, but other than that, it's meh.
1: I remember Vince Vaughn being kind of menacing in there. I thought that was he was pretty. He consistent. has
0: one excellent scene when he's playing catch with the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. super uncomfortable and really well done. But the rest of the movie is just kind of like, oh, what are we doing here? Um, he did
1: Malice, which is an Alec Baldwin, uh, Bill Pullman film with uh, Nicole Kidman as well. Um, I've seen it. But I was very, very young. But I remember uh, Alec Baldwin having one of those moments as well. Uh, he gets done with surgery, and he's talking to one of the other doctors. And he's like, if you... And it's just point blank. It's like, if you ever tell me that we're about to lose a patient again on the table, I'll kill you. And it feels genuine. Like, I think maybe he's good at maybe just getting that one moment where he can scare the shit out of you with a character. Because it definitely worked in that.
0: Well... Alec Baldwin's also a very talented actor, uh, if you come at him from the right angle. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, in terms of cast, like Kyle had said, uh, we have a well-rounded cast of players, although the movie is squarely centered on Loudon Swain. Yes. I don't know how many times they say that name in this movie. Loudon? It's a fan it's a fantastic name, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. right up there with Johnny Utah or any number of Steven Seagal movie characters. I was going to say,
1: we are stepping into Seagal territory now, because this, this is a this is like a, a villain or or even a Steven Seagal character name.
0: No, I mean, it's right up there with Nico Toscani or Forrest Taft or Casey fucking Ryback. <laughs> Casey Ryback. He has <laughs> yeah, some there. of the best names in cinema history, but Loudon Swain is pretty up there man that is in terms of uniqueness that's that's way up there and it needs to be said this movie is based on a novel uh, of the same name Um, and I did like five seconds of research and I thought it was fascinating because the whole time I was watching the movie especially uh, when we get to the you know the bits with him dealing with Linda Fiorentino um, I started to think about some of the novels I had to read in uh, high school or Mm -hmm. maybe even middle school Um, And I want to say this particular subgenre of like coming of age story, like young male coming of age story anyway, uh, was really popular at this time because I looked it up and The Outsiders and Tex, both I think were written by S.E. Hinton. Uh, Film adaptations of those novels came out like right before this. And then I think we looked it up like Karate Kid wasn't too long after this as well, Um, although that's a much more tame story than this one is. Mm-hmm. um this uh, one's very yeah. uh, this one's very adult and it, it kind of lets you know like within the first five to ten minutes that yeah. you know this we're gonna get serious from time to time um <laughs> you want to let the folks at home know what we're alluding to here
1: yeah uh do you want me to give the like give the rundown of what's happening like the absolutely go for okay. it. okay so visit questions about loudon swain he wrestles at 190 uh kind of a Kind of a late comer to wrestling, but he just—he was just really good. So he's wrestling at 190. He wants to cut down to 168. He wants to leave his mark. He wants to wrestle. Uh, shoot from another school. Uh, apparently, 168 is the toughest weight class in the state, or possibly the whole country. Um, but he wants to beat this guy who's been undefeated for like three years. So he embarks on that while a drifter a sexy drifter uh, <laughs> uh stays with he and his father uh for a couple of weeks while he's cutting weight and training to wrestle this guy
0: and Mary mishaps ensue. sue <laughs> well sick. well um so it, it should be mentioned uh this takes place in spokane washington yeah <laughs> and yeah. that was kind of cute like i hate to say it uh, i've lived in seattle my entire life except for a uh, a decent stretch of time where i was in olympia so same state mm. um, but i've never actually made the journey to spokane
1: i've been to spokane uh i went to a, a show there uh, with a buddy of mine it's like a six hour drive uh, if you're a washington native and you don't live close to it you don't you don't really need to go it, 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 <laughs> it it's fine spokane's a fine place don't get me wrong but it's a long drive unless unless you have something like a wedding or something to actually go to do there y- you're fine
0: yeah, some of the natural scenery was was kind of nice to look at. It, it had a Seattle vibe to it. Um, I like the bridges with the the waterfalls and whatnot. Yeah. that was that was cool. I was I liked, thinking Twin um, Peaks. Yeah, and and that also takes place in the Pacific Northwest. So, yeah, you know, similar vibes. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, the movie starts almost immediately with uh, like narration uh, of Loudon Swain introducing himself, and we see him like jump roping. Um, I don't know that we're going to go through this movie beat by no. beat, but. Um, I think it's interesting that we actually jump right into wrestling, like within the first minute of the movie and then not again for another hour. Um, but yeah, basically he explains that I haven't done shit with my life. I'm 18. Um, but I think I'm going to take my big swing right here and now. Um, and then we get to see him, uh, show off his wrestling prowess and then opening credits and we get a a journey song that plays throughout the entire Mm -hmm. fucking film. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, the, the management of the licensed music in this film is a little questionable. We yeah. paid
1: for a Madonna song, two Madonna songs, and a Journey song, and we keep coming back to those three songs.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little sloppy. It's yeah. not on par with like a Rocky three or four. Um, certainly not. But I will say this much: the Journey song is is good. It's uh, only the young, um, yeah. and it does serve it like bookends the film essentially, and it plays oh, it over a lot of yeah it's a good song it's not bad uh the madonna song it's not it's not take my breath away from top gun uh by Mm. berlin um but it does play over every instance in which him and uh linda fiorentino get cozy with each other yeah Um, it's it's a little repetitive yeah (laughs) Um, Uh, this is
1: right before like madonna was getting like she was getting some recognition but this was like right before she like blew up
0: yeah this was apparently her first film appearance Mm -hmm. um and she would go on to have many more probably most famously dick tracy yeah uh, a league of their own but dick tracy's probably the biggest one i Um, liked her in a league of their own yeah she was fun her and rosie o'donnell have a good dynamic it's a fun movie it is my brother actually suggested that um oh man that would
1: (laughs) that would actually be a lot of fun i don't know enough about baseball i would need uh i need him Uh, Yeah, that's the
0: thing. He he's the one that knows everything about baseball, and he does know everything about baseball. I don't know shit about baseball. I don't know anything about baseball. (laughs) I do like that movie though, but that's the actually that's a funny thing about baseball movies. I don't really care much for baseball as a sport, but I really do enjoy baseball movies for the most part.
1: I'm the exact opposite. I can if I'm at a bar and there's a baseball game on, I can. I can convince myself to be into it for a bit. Like, I can I can rally. I'm like, all right, let's watch this game. I'm going to go for the Cubs. But baseball movies, no. No. <laughs> Pretty much anything Kevin Costner uh, supports or does is, uh, yeah, a big no. <laughs> Golf, <laughs> baseball, the postman,
0: whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Postmanning is a sport now. <laughs> in, in Kevin Costner's world, yes. Um but I will say, in terms of soundtrack, uh, the big one for me um, was "Lunatic Fringe" by uh, Red Rider. Um, I've always really liked that song, and the use of it in this film is kind of like expert-level shit. Um, it plays over sequences where he's training alone. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I think two. I think two times sprinkled throughout the early goings in the film, but then the uh, the synthesizer doesn't really hit until he kicks open the door to go face shoot mm. at the end. Um, and I was like, oh, that's how you use that fucking song, man. <laughs> like, I, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, in terms of like classic 80s sports drama uh, soundtracks, it's, it's serviceable, but it's mismanaged yeah. is all. The songs are good. They're just not used to the best of their ability.
1: Yeah, I guess we could talk about, like, he, he's going to cut down from 190 to 178, which uh, is his buddy Cooch. His buddy Cooch wrestles 178. And apparently, uh, each week, they have uh, wrestle-offs for a varsity spot, which, in my experience, it's only at the beginning of the season. You don't do it every week. I feel like that'd be a bit silly uh, to be doing it every week. But, you know, I don't know how teams all do it. But, yeah, he's going to he, – he beats his buddy Cooch for the 178 spot. Um Cutting from one ninety to one sixty eight, I mean, he's already a string bean. Like, it's gonna be pretty tough, Loudon. Um, and they do actually have a like when he weighs in. There's a certain point where he actually does look like he got skinnier uh, in the film, but it's only the one shot. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he beats Cooch for the win, and uh, Loudon uh, Loudon runs to school with the Journey song going on in the background. Uh, he runs back and forth to school, and he's wearing this uh, sauna suit, which. Our coaches would not let us wear. He, they were pretty much like, don't wear the sauna suits. I think there might have been a stigma around it at the time. Um, maybe some kid had uh, gone too hard and he was wearing the sauna suit. So like, oh, he was just going too hard. So maybe our coaches were just like, the principal or the administration might associate that with us pushing you guys too hard. So don't wear that. But he's definitely got the sauna suit. Now, this is pretty common for i'm guessing jockeys and boxers as
0: well oh absolutely oh, yeah uh, a lot of boxers wear them during their workouts because um, much like wrestling there's a lot of weight cutting involved yeah. in pretty much all combat sports that have weight classes anyway um i know there are certain leagues over in japan where they do not give a fuck about that kind of stuff but um uh, generally yeah um, any any combat sport where uh weight cutting is involved yeah sauna suits are involved um brought to mind uh yeah silver linings playbook of a, i didn't watch that it's fine yeah. um yeah um i think the novelty of it is uh enhanced if i if the idea of people from philadelphia makes you laugh <laughs> like yeah. i'm like i'm just gonna be 100 percent honest that's like mostly what the film coasts on is hey these people are goofy <laughs> it's like oh. uh, okay well you know people are people but it, it's fine uh i the name of the direct oh david o russell um not a huge fan of him i think he's a kind of arrogant to be honest as a director i think he thinks he's making higher art than he actually is (laughs) um and yeah he has a boner for scorsese like most most directors of that category tend to um but but yeah the sauna suit is a it's like it has constant appearances throughout the film which is fitting being as he's trying to drop a shit ton of weight yeah um and, yeah, like you said, uh, he did appear to drop some weight for at least one shot in the film during the final weigh-in. Um, he doesn't look totally... He doesn't look like Christian Bale killing himself or anything, but he definitely tried, you know? Yeah. It it was important that he actually look unhealthy for at least small portions of this film because, I mean, we're talking about this literally from the first five minutes of the film up until the final reel. Like, his, uh, part of his quote-unquote vision quest that the movie takes its title from is uh, finding the will to abstain from, you know, eating food that's constantly pushed in front of him. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually Uh, kind of funny. It's like, man, you guys are like, it's cool that you're encouraging me, but you really suck at it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really shitty. Uh, I know from Cutting Weight, it's like, don't offer me food. I remember I inhaled a plate of meatballs that my mom had just left out. She made, like, a huge portion of meatballs and maybe it, it might have been my my stepdad that made them but they just kind of left them out and like I hadn't eaten in like a day and a half and I could just smell them like I can just have one and then just like something primal kicked in I couldn't stop eating them like I I tried so hard but uh, yeah he works uh, he works in a hotel and he I guess he's the uh, concierge or like the he, he takes food to people's yeah
0: he's like a bellhop or something yeah
1: bellhop uh, but he works mostly in the kitchen with this, uh, dude named Elmo, uh, <laughs> 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 who I'm pretty sure has done some time, uh, the character. Yeah, he looks time. it. <laughs> <laughs> he did a stint in the Navy and he has been in and out of jail since, uh, but yeah, he, he, uh, works in the kitchen, which is super shitty. Um, and he, and every time that he goes to work, he has to arm wrestle, uh, Elmo and it's at Elmo's, uh. Elmo wants to do it, not not Loudon.
0: Yeah, it, they have kind of an interesting little friendship going where I think it's just a ritual where Elmo knows that he's an athlete, and so he's just kind of like checking him, you know, see like are you are you taking this shit serious? because yeah. it we get the sense that Loudon wins pretty much every time, although there is an episode towards the the end of the film where uh, he 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 develops a, a bad habit of uh bleeding uh, yeah. from the nose constantly <laughs> it's well, you, it actually gets very frustrating and yes i well, do know that that is a thing that happens it's a thing that happens
1: uh, uh if you can't stop bleeding they'll they'll call the match like it's an actual it's like an actual problem and that's what my, one of my critiques of the film is that the way the story is focused on him cutting weight like it's just him trying to cut the weight and you would think that the the story would introduce more obstacles for him but we don't really do that. Like, yeah, the food would be one thing. It'd be one thing if he was like constantly being uh, like constantly being around food or something like that. But it doesn't really seem to affect him that much. He's got too strong a will. Um, but the other thing was would be interesting with the blood is if we went more into that. It's like literally you are. It could be like a fiction. Like you are malnourished and your white blood cell count is down or something. So if you um if you get cut you're gonna just keep bleeding or maybe he's anemic or he has some kind of issue where the doctor's like you can't cut weight like this because if anything happens like if you do start bleeding you're gonna keep bleeding and it's gonna keep you from wrestling in the match which i feel like would have been an interesting way to go about it but it was the 80s so what
0: are you gonna do yeah this movie it's kind of interesting because i i did enjoy this movie um but i i kind of spun off on a few different narrative threads as i was watching it unfold and i uh, you're right like i i was kind of expecting like a major oh. hiccup in his plan to come up at some point like it does in the form of um him getting cozy with with their uh, traveling lady friend yeah um linda fiorentino um and he does like have half a slice of pizza or something not that big of a deal dude he would have been
1: top. he just would have been, <laughs> <just would've> been, <laughs> been
0: stuffing his face. he would have had
1: six slices of pizza easily
0: yeah but but like again to reference Foxcatcher, there's that sequence where i think channing tatum uh doesn't perform to his own expectations in a wrestling match and Mm -hmm. we get to see him in a hotel room just like order all the room service (laughs) and eat eat until he explodes essentially um which you know eating disorder paired with you know emotional trauma or something yes i could totally see that happening and the the weight cutting thing is fascinating to me because um it's an ongoing problem with these sports wrestling especially like so many of these former athletes develop uh, like eating disorders they just don't have a good healthy relationship with with food and stuff and it's no wonder you see so many like retired boxers just balloon up mm-hmm. and part of that like for football players especially it comes from being like a high performance engine for su- such a yeah. sustained chunk of your life and then thinking you can continue eating the same way after you stop doing all that?
1: Yeah, you don't need to eat a whole fucking turkey before the Super Bowl, dude. Like, <laughs> like you could do that then, but you're not playing anymore. You're retired. It's, you're yeah, it's a like,
0: Motherfucker! All you're doing is mowing the lawn, and it's a riding mower. <laughs> well, th- that points out my
1: big one of the biggest issues I had with uh, wrestling when I was in high school was that our coaches, I mean, as good as they were getting us into shape, they weren't good guides on like for nutrition, and I think that's a huge, huge misstep. Like that's very important, and I hope administrations are taking that seriously now. Like your wrestling coaches need to know, need to tell you how to cut weight, not just go hard, don't eat that's not healthy you need to cut down the right way and loudon is not doing it the right way this is not a healthy way to do this he i'm sorry he is drinking uh which i never really noticed before but he's drinking like slim fast or like some kind of uh some kind of nutritional drink
0: yeah it's like a meal replacement of some sort which is fine that's something that that's fine um but it's not good. <laughs> but yeah, I was half expecting something like renal failure or something to come up where like mm. he put, takes it to that limit. And that's the thing that makes managing these sports uh, so difficult is because you have a bunch of people who are trying to perform at the pinnacle of their abilities. And sometimes that's what it requires is to well, whittle yourself down to that razor edge. <laughs>
1: If you're, yeah, if you're a high school wrestling coach, you're trying to coach dudes that are eating around masturbation masturbation installments. Like It's just those two things. It's like, all right, guys, I don't care about the one thing, but you got to stop eating right afterwards. <laughs> you got to focus here.
0: It's like, okay, grip strength, we're all good on. That's fine. <laughs> <Like, laughs> got to work on technique, though. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, I, I noticed just fixing my diet, like, uh, when I went home in December, like, I finished with classes, you know, I was just like, oh, finally, I'm done. And I'm just like, off the wheels eating cookies, and you know, it's the holidays, so mom's making all kinds of stuff, and I got back here, and I'm just like, oh, man, I gotta fix my diet, because I feel like I put on like five pounds, and immediately, I, I cut out bread, I've been eating like chicken and rice, and I have a, a like a greens, like a heavy green smoothie every morning. I have so much more energy and I feel so much better. And I'm like, fuck, if I had known about this in high school, I could have cut weight so much easier. I would have had so much more energy, but nobody told us how to do that.
0: Yeah. And more than likely they didn't know how to tell you that because they didn't know themselves. Um, But yeah, Loudon is kind of left to his own devices throughout the entire film. Like he's constantly chastised for what he's doing Um, but there is like a little bit of like a, a put up or shut up moment, like a development in the early stages of the film where I don't think he was friends with Cooch, um, in the beginning. Um, I think Cooch like latched onto him because he found out about what his ambitions were and he wanted to, he wanted to like hitch his star to that wagon because Cooch we later learn is not coming from a very happy household, um. And I feel like they weren't friends going into that. It, it just came about as a result of like Cooch wanting to support the person that had po- greater potential than himself, because I don't think Cooch is supposed to be an outstanding wrestler. Um, no,
1: uh, he doesn't seem to be, uh, he doesn't seem to be a good wrestler. Uh, yeah. It seems like it's a pretty big team. Like we've got a full varsity, full junior varsity and a few stragglers even um, it. It seems like, yeah, he probably knew of them, like they knew each other in passing, but also Loudon's newer to the team, like he's only been wrestling a few years, so uh, some of these other guys have probably been wrestling since elementary school, so it'd be- Auto
0: oh, Otto, yeah. Otto, for sure, he's been oh. wrestling since the cradle. That dude was
1: bred to be a wrestler, <laughs> and <laughs> to take steroids, because this guy is fucking jacked. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the put up or shut up thing that I was referencing was- uh, out uh, loud, and um, after a curious encounter with um, a patron of the hotel, um, basically he he gets a little bit molested, yeah, um, just a little bit. Yeah, uh, the guy um, was testing that, the
1: water. He's just he's t- seeing what's going on. Yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, basically there's this uh, interesting sequence. It's it's like the cinematography is like straight out like Silence of the Lambs almost. <laughs> like honestly, it, it has that ty- it has that type of lensing to it. Um, those kinds of, like, di- like eyes directly into the camera shots. Uh, but basically, Loudon, um, he hangs out with Elmo for a bit. And we do see that he, he runs everywhere. Everywhere. Um, so after school, after wrestling practice, he runs to this hotel downtown. He puts on his dinner jacket or whatever. And uh, he brings room service to this gentleman who's selling, like, sports utility equipment and stuff um, from his hotel room. And the guy's doing Tai Chi, not naked Tai Chi, not like William no. Sadler in Die Hard Two, but still Tai Chi in the '80s. So you got to be suspicious of a man that does Tai yeah. Chi in the '80s. <laughs> um, but yeah. anyway, uh, he Loudon's like, oh, that seems kind of neat. Like it seems meditative. I could use some of that. And I like that Loudon has this like quirk of constantly telling everybody like what's on his mind. Yeah, and it, it's it's cute. Like it's it's an it's an affable trait. It's just kind of funny because it. He doesn't look 18 years old, but his line deliveries and his demeanor make him seem 13 years old at times. Yeah. Um, This would be one of those times. But anyway, the guy offers to teach him Tai Chi, and he, you know, sneaks a little feel. uh, (laughs) And uh, Loudon takes off, but the way he takes off is he just kind of, like, slowly backs out of the room.
1: He handles it really well. He Uh, does. Yeah. I think he. it was a very adult way to handle the situation. Like, no, dude, I don't think I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to head out. Anything else? You good? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, he, he does a good job. I like how
0: he's doing push-ups
1: <laughs> at, the, at the elevator and then watching the
0: door to make sure he doesn't come back out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I liked
0: him constantly sneaking looks at the door while he's lying around. But it, it's meant to be like a an episode in like the the coming-of-age journey of this character. And uh, i i seem to remember like like i mentioned like tex and the outsiders and stuff a lot of this kind of material finding its way into those kinds of teenage stories uh from this era um so it's just a little episode it's only referenced like once after the fact and it's always a joke um but after that is when he tells cooch about his ambition to drop all the weight and wrestle this legendary shoot character um And then Cooch blabs to everybody, and they even announce it on, like, the school PA that, like, Loudon Swain's going to do the thing. It's like, oh, fuck you, Cooch.
1: Well, he told the team that he wants to wrestle at 178, but then the coach pulls him aside and says, I actually want to get down to 168. He has to drop two weight classes to, to wrestle this guy, and that's when they announce it, and that's when the team finds out that he's, you know, dropping double the weight. Um yeah, like they don't do this. By the way, they don't. They don't announce that you're cutting weight
0: over the school. Yeah, speakers. and since when do you get fucking Sammy Hagar on the school radio? Like, I didn't get. I didn't <laughs> right? get Right, there that was school sh- radio. Yeah, I was. I, I mean, we had a radio station built into my high school, which C eighty nine point five. Check it out. It's actually. Kind of, it's still there, and huh. uh, it's EDM. Um, but it was never played, like, on the PA at school. No. Certainly not Sammy fucking Hagar.
1: (laughs) I get it. Maybe at at school lunch you could do that. I'm like, okay, I understand that, but no, we didn't have that. Uh, By the way, if you are a wrestler and your wrestling coach wears a singlet to practice, you need to tell your parents because that is not okay. There is no reason for a coach to be wearing a singlet to practice. With a polo underneath. That's a polo (laughs) underneath. We thought that was the funniest thing, Like like – our coaches just, you know, would wear, like, athletic stuff, like sweatpants and stuff. They have to show us something. And our, even my parents were like, why the hell is that coach wearing a singlet? I'm like, I
0: don't know. It's, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. There's no well, You'd reason. expect him to be, like, wearing the headgear, like, off hours to <laughs> just, like, have it on all the time. Uh, oh, but.
1: see, now, the drills, that's interesting. So I wanted more drills. I wanted more training in this, which I, it would have been a lot more fun if we had, like, more, more training montages and stuff because – if you're an outsider looking into a wrestling practice and they're doing stuff, it's like, what do they even do? What does that even do? But it makes sense to a wrestler, and it, it would kind of make sense if they showed like how that helps in a match. Uh, but the uh But the headgear, nobody's wearing headgear in practice, which is accurate. People hardly wear headgear in practice.:
0: <laughs> Yeah, I like some of the drills. Like like I said, this movie does a very good job of just presenting things to you and letting you digest it on your own. Cause I, like the one drill where they're going up and down doing crab walks and then mm-hmm. walking on their hands the other direction and then the like the the wind sprints when they're jumping over each other and stuff like and oh, yeah. of course the, the the big one was the the sit-ups with it's mostly a neck exercise for the guy on the bottom anyway
1: <laughs> those were fun we do uh i think we called them monkey rolls or barrel rolls where you'd have three guys and you'd have two do's rolling and if you were on the right you jumped over the two do's rolling then you would roll i don't know it, it was a fun fun drill i don't know what that did but I, I always liked that one
0: well i mean so much of wrestling is like kinesthetics and whatnot it, it, body awareness and agility and cardio for fucking days but a lot of it is just like kn- knowing how you're oriented in relation to the world around you and your opponent and whatnot and mm. you can tell from some of the drills that it's meant to work on building those skills like even watching Loudon uh, practice on his own before the big match, when he's just running drills yeah. to himself and getting hyped up, it's like yes, I, I can see the utility of all the things he's doing, like the dynamism of the movements and what it's meant to, what the application would be in an actual match and whatnot.
1: Sprawling is a huge thing. That was a drill that we spent a lot of time on, and it's especially when you get to the college level, you have to be able to keep shot. Like a huge part of college wrestling is just landing a shot, a single leg, double leg or just any kind of takedown. So sprawling is a huge part of not letting the other person do that. And I'll notice it too if, I, if I'm watching a UFC match, I'm like, oh, that was a good sprawl. Oh, that was a good sprawl.
0: <laughs> it's funny. That's one of the things I, I understand the most, I guess, about wrestling from watching mixed martial arts is sprawling because there's, there's so many very, very talented wrestlers who that's, that's literally the only aspect of their wrestling acumen that gets brought into their mixed martial arts career. Is counter wrestling essentially yeah. like Chuck Liddell was very famous for that? Where he was a fantastic like all-American wrestler or something, but he never took anyone down ever. Really, he just prevented other people from doing that to him.
1: That's huge. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're an MMA fighter out there, if you if you if you're practicing and stuff like that, if you learn anything, if you don't learn anything else about wrestling, just learn how to sprawl. Just just spend a good amount of time on that. It'll no, I mean, it's,
0: it's, it's good old world logic where if you can control where the battle is fought, you've controlled a decent portion of the fight. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: this, uh, so they're practicing, uh, we talked about before, uh, so the team that they're going to be wrestling against this week in the meet uh, likes to run the double chicken wing. So the coach is like, uh, I'm going to show you guys how, we got to learn how to counter this move because this team loves to run the double chicken wing. You know how you counter the double chicken wing? don't get put into a double chicken wing it's a hard <laughs> it's a hard move to run like it's hard to get both of an opponents if you get both of their arms back like that y- they weren't trying like you it's really hard to get both arms back like that very difficult to run so it's silly that they would be going through the actual counter to this
0: it's an oddly specific maneuver to be pre- like preparing for again <laughs>
1: like it's also not a good one to pin people with it's not it if you run it right, it's still not a great move. To, it's not a good move to use. <laughs> I'll say it, it's not.
0: Yeah, but around this time is also when we get to see something that I wasn't I wasn't positive when it was going to get revisited. It does, thankfully. Um that would be what are is it called the pegboard? Yeah. uh, uh we get to see Otto who as we mentioned before, Otto Otto's head is about the size of my torso.
1: (laughs) Otto (laughs) looks like a 35-year-old man, and he is a high school wrestler. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Otto is the most aggro member of the team. He gets into shoving matches with Loudon, I think at least three or four times over the course of the film. Um, And we get to see him running this pegboard, and he's trying to get to the top, and he gets about halfway up, which is difficult for fucking sure, and uh, all the while uh, we have Forrest Whitaker uh, who as Kyle mentioned up top is in the movie for about five seconds unfortunately Mm -hmm. Um, but this was early days for his career I don't even know if uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High had happened yet Mm -hmm. Um, but Otto only gets halfway up and we do get this revisited later where Loudon throws a little bit of a tantrum and he's like you know what fuck y'all I'm gonna show you that I can drop all the weight and still kick all sorts of ass And we get to see him with, like, uplifting music playing over it. I think the Journey song comes back for the sixth time in the film, probably. (laughs) Um, He does get all the way to the top, and he shows that. It's like, you know what, Otto? Your head may be as big as my whole fucking body, (laughs) but I got to the top, and you can only get halfway up. Uh, Fast Times was
1: 1982, which I didn't realize it was that far back.
0: Yeah, and he probably filmed Bloodsport by the time they made this movie because Bloodsport got put on a shelf for a few years. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, uh. but yeah, Ronnie Cox is his dad, and uh, I guess he's going to meet his dad. I don't know if this is after work or just after practice, but I guess he's going to go meet his dad at the the auto repair shop that he works at, and apparently his dad boxed him dude in the nose and I guess helped Linda, Linda Fiorentino with something. I didn't even catch what was happening here. I just knew she was being introduced into the film
0: yeah there's apparently a dispute over uh the sale of a vehicle to linda fiorentino like she dumped all of her money into trying to buy a car or something and i think it was like a lemon or something Mm. and uh ronnie cox objected to that even though he's an employee of the car lot yeah and uh we loud shows up after all this has transpired and uh we see a guy with a busted nose and ronnie cox wrapping his hand of course he gets fired for that and uh, this is where we get introduced to um, Linda Fiorentino's character, Clara, I believe. Carla. Um, Carla. Um, if you don't know who Linda Fiorentino is, uh, Men, in, Men Black in Black. and, and <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the big one. Dogma. Um, Dogma is the other one. <laughs> uh, I'd never seen her this young before. Uh, mm-hmm. Men in Black was probably the earliest movie in her filmography I'd seen her in. Yeah. And uh, she got the big hair, that's for fucking sure. <laughs> she has a little bit of a, I don't know... Elaine Bennis on, like, on a night on the town kind of looked her. her. But yeah, Loudon ends up taking her to, like, a diner on the advice of his uh, father. And uh, long story short, uh, Loudon finds a way to convince his dad uh, to bring her into their home, being as uh, she has no place else to go, much like Chris Farley in Wayne's World too. Her story doesn't make any sense to me. So she's a drifter from New York, and she's
1: headed to L.A., but she's in Spokane. And I'm like, yeah, what?
0: You, like what direction are you going lady <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think you need to study a map because you know it's south of spokane uh, but yeah <laughs> ronnie cox comes in to meet him and he orders this breakfast i'm like god damn it i wish he would have said cornflakes <laughs> like, can i just get a bowl of cornflakes please <laughs>
0: <laughs> be back in time for cornflakes <laughs> this, nice oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this, this was when ronnie cox was a nice guy kyle like this was before robocop this is when ronnie cox was a nice old man
1: yeah, and this is where, I mean, uh, Loudon's back, hanging out with Elmo. Uh, you could tell that uh, Loudon is, like, like, it's just, like, laser beam focused on uh, Carla. Like, it, there's well, no hiding. I'm,
0: did you see the shirt she's wearing? Yeah.
1: It's a little cold out. I'll just yeah. say that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> it's Spokane.
0: It's it's Pacific Northwest. It's a little overcast.
1: But this is where we had an opportunity for this. I, I think what was frustrating about this movie for me was like there were so many opportunities to make it better, and it wasn't it wasn't difficult. Like it was pretty obvious. You just didn't do it. Uh, this is where he instead of running home, he gets a ride with Cooch. Who Cooch just is like after practice, I think is just riding his motorcycle around until his dad's passed out, so he can go to sleep. Because uh, there's several times Cooch just like, hey, I'm on a motorcycle out here. Do you want a ride? And he gives him a ride back. I'm like, dude, now you're slacking on cutting weight. You were on a regimen. Now you're screwing up.
0: Yeah. Um, I Like like we had mentioned earlier, I was expecting that to be more of an issue where there would be a conflict between his interest in Carla and his wrestling dreams. And, I mean, that makes sense like that that's really basic storytelling where it's like oh he has two things he desires in this moment and he can't have both like that's really easy conflict in your storytelling but we don't really go there Mm -hmm. Uh, it gets touched on very very briefly like incredibly briefly um but it doesn't really amount to anything and yeah i was expecting that where he would get so enamored with her that he would start slacking or something and he'd be happy with her or something but then there'd be, like, a development of some sort. Like, maybe his, maybe he gets, like, his manhood tested or something, like, cooch or a shoot, or somebody calls him out in front of a crowd and his, you know, young male hormonal instincts kick in and he, you know, decides to go hard in chasing that dream again or something, much mm-hmm. to the detriment of his relationship with Carla. Doesn't really amount to that. Um, but we do get some, like cute slash awkward interactions between the two of them they have an interesting dynamic it actually like i hate to say this on the air but actually reminds me of when we had an exchange student in my house um i was like 13 years old and not gonna lie that was that was interesting like Mm. it it definitely it's a new addition to the house it's kind of exciting and you find ways to bug them about stupid shit just because it's like wow you're new you're different and i'm so accustomed to my normal home life that this is like this is a new development. It's exciting. Um, we have lots of episodes like that where, like, he he brings her into his, his bedroom, and he's, like, emptying the closet so she can have space in there. And, and just when he thinks he's going to spit some game or something, she passes out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you're 18, buddy. And, like, she answered you when you asked how old she was, but I don't think that was the real answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Also, she says, the, I've been 21 since I was 14. I don't know what that means. That's a red flag, buddy.
1: <laughs> that's that's not what you, if you're in high school and you meet a woman like that, like, uh-uh, that's, uh. <laughs> yeah, she is older than you, dude, way older. You need to go she, something more your She's age.
0: probably not 21, I'll just say that much. <laughs> um, yeah, but like she comes, like, this
1: is uh, one scene where Cooch comes over, like, like I go for a beer or a cup of coffee or something, and he comes in. And she comes into the kitchen in just a shirt, just like no yeah, pants, no pants on. I'm like, first no guest in this house, too. You know, this kid has got a boner for you. Maybe, maybe don't like tease him like this. It's kind of it's kind of messed up.
0: Yeah, it was weird. Like that was my initial reaction. I didn't take notes in watching this movie, but I was like, oh, no pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was yeah, she... a
1: fucking creep. Uh, and Ronnie Cox kind of has when she's laying there sleeping. And he's just kind of stare. He's not looking at her for very long, but it's it's enough that it's like okay, you need to do something else. When Ronnie Cox is like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "She just fell asleep." He's like, "Okay, well, let's get out of here so she can get some rest." And
0: yeah, yeah. Like, he yeah. has to like usher him out of the room yeah. like i don't know if he would have found the will to do that on his own he probably just was stood there with the lights off <laughs> and, just, and just breathing heavily like i don't think he would touch her but he just be like <sighs> yeah <laughs> speaking of it's no
1: like, one's looking yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got sweatpants on so it's just
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you know where the weight room is do you know where the weight room is I'll check it out uh, i love that line but um yeah uh so cooch and and uh, loudon they have like an exchange in the kitchen and i this was actually curious to me because i actually don't know what like the drinking age was in washington state in the 80s but loudon is very comfortable going to bars and cooch is also very comfortable asking for beers um but then again i'm one of those 20 percent of the young boys who didn't wrestle as a child <laughs> so like maybe i was too much of a goody goody to think that you know much drinking was going on.
1: The it's still a vars it's still a sport, dude. You still have your your varsity guys drinking, smoking pot and stuff like that. It's still big. Also, yeah, I don't know what the drinking age is. I think maybe when they first changed the drinking age, it was still kind of like not that enforced, in- until like a little bit later. So they might have changed it, uh, like several years before this, but they didn't really
0: give a shit. I mean, Mr. Tanneran, uh, one of his mentors, um, he he meets him in a bar <laughs> and they, they sit down and I think Tanner and a- offers to buy him a drink. Yeah. Uh, so clearly nobody gives a shit about drinking age in this town. Um, but I did like the, the scene where um, Carla like makes them eggs and we, yeah. we do get a little bit of a hint of maybe some tension to come that never does where she's like serving breakfast uh, to the two men and Loudon's like, Oh, I, I don't eat much. And like, he keeps trying to refuse Um, But before he can, like, chow down and whatnot, uh, (laughs) Ronnie Cox makes a very awkward decision to truthfully answer um, her question about what happened to his wife. Yeah. (laughs) I was was like, one, why are you asking that? Two, why did you answer it that way? (laughs) Because he straight up says, like, yeah, she was was fucking some other guy. (laughs) It ran out on me.
1: And Loudon is like, why do you tell people that? He's like, like, why, why did you have to say that? He's like, I'm not ashamed of it. Just what happened. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's I, true. I mean, that,
0: that's probably a healthy way of dealing with it. You know, instead of being in denial, just accept that you know this happened, and now we have to move on with our lives. But yeah. um, he he takes off in kind of a foul mood, and uh, he has he gets in a little, little tiff with Otto because it's been 10 minutes of screen time, and that yeah. hasn't happened in a while. Um, but this is where we finally get to meet Shoot. And this is a fantastic introduction to an antagonist, not a villain, but like the antagonist of the film, I guess.
1: Yeah, what's fascinating about uh, him cutting weight is that the guy in the, lo- the weight class below him, Cooch, is like a foot shorter than him, and way smaller. And then the guy that's under uh, the weight class below Cooch is bigger than Loudon. Like, <laughs> the, like, it just doesn't make any sense. So when you meet Shoot, you're like, okay, now what's this guy going to look like? He's fucking training for SEAL school. He is walking up football stadium stairs with a telephone pole on his back. Uh, That's insane. (laughs) Kids (laughs) in high school should not be doing that.
0: No, Shoot is about 35 years old. Otto's probably 30, 32, but Shoot is straight up like 35 years old.
1: Yeah, Shoot Um, is a monster. Like, he is huge.
0: He has an interesting construction to his face, because I'm sure this guy was just a legit wrestler, not an actor. Uh, he, I don't even think he has a Wikipedia page. And uh, when it came to the on-screen product, you know, him actually doing wrestling, yeah, he seems legit. And in terms of his physique, yeah, he looks terrifying. He's yeah. jacked. Um, but, like, his face, he, he kind of looks like a predator. Like, like he, he looks, his eyes are kind of glassy in that, like, like Jaws Look. sort of way, which is fitting being as they play the Jaws theme for his, like, the, the band in the... In the stands, they play the Jaws theme every time he heads up to the mat.
1: Yeah, this kid would be wrestling at like two fifteen or two oh five. Like this guy weighs two hundred pounds
0: easily. I don't know how tall he is though. That's the thing. He's like the same. matthew Modine's like
1: six three or six four. Like he's crazy. Oh, tall. he's that tall. Yeah, okay. he's tall. And Shoot is like right there
0: with him. No, Shoot's shorter. Is but he a little he's, bit? He's much more dense though. Like <laughs> Loudon, Loudon has that like sunken chest kind of looked at him <laughs> like he yeah. he's spindly but but shoot is just jacked yeah matthew modine's um, 6-3 yeah that's huge for an actor especially also you've um, been
1: married to the same lady since 1980 Well congrats matt right.
0: <laughs> but i love this introduction of this character because there's very few words exchanged um cooch and 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 just find him in in the stands at like the local stadium like Kyle had said, carrying a fucking telephone pole up a flight of... Old Misery, yeah.
1: That's, <laughs> that's what they give seals. They have fucking eight dudes carrying a telephone pole called Old Misery. A big log called Old Misery.
0: Yeah, he's doing Bud's training casually, by the way. Casually.
1: <laughs> I, do, I do like how he is introduced, yeah.
0: Yeah, but it, I think all that they say to each other is like, do you think you're going to make the weight?" And it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to try. And he's like, I hope you do. That's it. And actually... It actually kind of reminded me of a uh, kickboxer, um, mm-hmm. which would not come out for several years after this. But um, Tong Po, his introduction was really cool in that movie because uh, Van Dam, uh, Van Dam's older brother in the movie, is going to be fighting Tong Po, the, the Thai kickboxing champion, and uh, he wanders into like the opposing locker room, and Tong Po is warming up by kicking a pillar, like a foundational pillar of a stadium and plaster is falling from the ceiling and the whole room is kind of like, there's like an echo. It's not like a dramatic thump or anything, but basically a man is applying his shin to a concrete pillar and, uh, he's winning (laughs) and just watching Van Damme's eyes light up and just be like, Oh fuck. (laughs) Like my brother doesn't know what he's getting into. Like just the visual storytelling there was much more than words could express.
1: Uh, ogre from uh, revenge of the nerds does he pop up in one of those van damme movies
0: yeah uh, i think is it donald gibb uh, yes because he yeah, was in an ep- he was in an
1: episode of x files i'm like this guy looks really familiar uh this he's playing like a big biker i'm like i recognize this guy and i'm like is that ogre and i'm like it is ogre
0: i'm like oh he was in a van damme movie yeah uh he was in Bloodsport. there as, we go as uh, jackson Okay, USA. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we need to have you watch Bloodsport at some point. All right, so around this time, uh, we continue to have more uh, development between Carla and Loudon, mm-hmm. uh, including him uh, taking a whiff of her underwear, <laughs> fresh out the dryer. Yeah,
1: this is. The, I have written down like this is where we go downhill with Loudon being a creep. Uh, he he has not like a comment to I think Elmo. He's just like. I want to study gynecology so I can discover why women have such power over me. I can look inside and see what, why women have such power over me. Like, what? Who? Why would a high school kid be saying this? This is if this is lifted from the book. This author's got problems.
0: Uh, yeah, he says the uh, the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud. Um, <laughs> yeah. Basically, he verbalizes all the things that. Uh, you either keep to yourself or you express in therapy, but not so much to just casual acquaintances at the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, but this was an interesting thing that didn't really come to anything because I think this story honestly only really works if you think of it as like a self-contained like moment in time. Like this story doesn't work as well. If uh, you think of these characters as having a future, like beyond high school and whatnot, Mm -hmm. um, because like honestly a lot of the decisions he makes in the story is like detrimental to his future honestly um, like especially in terms of like obtaining a scholarship or something like he's told to his face multiple times you were fucking it up kid yeah. <laughs> like you have a path you have a path to bigger and better things just do these things and you'll get there no problem um, but no he wants to wrestle shoot um, but yeah I, I I thought it was interesting that uh, he obviously wants to be a doctor like of some sort like he's interested in biology and he wants to study that to some extent um but seemingly every other day he changes what field of biology he he's most interested in yeah um and that kind of makes sense for the character where the whole point of him challenging shoot is it's like him actually pointing to a concrete goal and going for it um, and showing that he's uncertain about other aspects of his life, I guess, contributes to his motivation to continuing to pursue shoot. Um, but it just, uh, some of the things he says uh, in conversation with both Elmo and Carla, it, it's, it's pretty fucking weird, not yeah. gonna lie. Um, but yeah, this is where they go to the bar at one point. Um, he dances with Carla, and uh, again, he sees his teacher. Casually at the bar, teacher offers him a beer. He says no because I'm trying to make weight. And it's like, okay, this apparently this is the society we live in.
1: <laughs> I actually had a buddy of mine that that's what he would do the night before. He's like, I, he drank like two beers, and I guess it would help him pee a lot more. And he would just mm, yeah, mm. that was one way that he would uh cut weight. He said that was his trick.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if uh, booze is a diuretic, but whatever helps you a little bit. <laughs> it is a little bit of a diuretic. <laughs> um do they have any restrictions against things like coffee um in wrestling no you can drink coffee
1: and i think i think it's and especially in like high school sports like they don't drug test they, they don't test that kind of stuff so you can have like pre-workout that you can get like gnc that is not okay for like professional sports and stuff like that but because they're not they're not testing that kind of stuff uh we had dude we had a dude in, in my high school on steroids a hundred percent like his pictures up on the wall and my coach was like yeah he was definitely on steroids 100 percent.
0: oh yeah no i've I seen that ben affleck after school special <laughs> i know it was a thing but i i remember a uh <clears throat> i think it was antonio margarito in uh boxing I, he didn't get penalized for it he got penalized for other things like loading his gloves with plaster mm. um yeah <laughs> not a, not a friendly guy um but i remember there was some controversy about him i think when he fought money pacquiao uh he was caught drinking a big mug of coffee before the match or something and i don't think there were any restrictions against that it was just questionable it's like what the fuck are you doing like are you trying to get like a mild like a mild amount of juicing from your coffee stimulation or something
1: no coffee was uh that was popular i mean i I mean again diuretic and
0: it you know pipes you up for sure but i i would imagine some of those uh pre-workouts and stuff would be a problem though because like Those are kind of designed to give you meth face and uh, make you more explosive, (laughs) Yeah. which in wrestling would definitely be cheating. It's a
1: highly concentrated dose of caffeine. I mean, usually like one scoop is like 325 milligrams of of caffeine. An average cup of coffee is about 80. Yeah. No, I I don't futz with that stuff.
0: (laughs) That stuff creeps me out, man. (laughs) I did, and then I had to
1: stop. It's just too much. I still have like half a thing of pre-workout up in my cabinet.
0: I'm like, I'm never going to take it. Yeah, no, that's going to the dumpster. Yeah. Um uh but yeah, they they go dancing and uh we get some tension in the form of uh loud and not He's never really certain until a little bit later in the film whether or not Carla's interested in him or not. She keeps kind of like stringing him along at this point because she came with other friends, but f- she approached him directly and took him out to the dance floor and whatnot. Um, but this is where we get some more shoot action where I actually, actually kind of love how it goes down because we see Loudon in the stands like in enemy territory like at a rival high school and he has like a tape recorder and he's speaking into a mic. He's like, okay, notes on the shoot match. Yeah. And then the match is like five seconds and we just see him like bury his face in his palms. Like, oh, God, what have I gotten myself into? There's,
1: an ep- there's a couple of episodes where, uh, uh, oh, John Favreau. Uh, shows up in Friends. And he's like this billionaire tech guy and then he ends up, uh, he's like, I've conquered the business world. He's like, now I want to be the ultimate fighting champion. And this is when, like, it was it was like, unheard of. Like, it, it was just brand new. And he has to fight Tank Abbott. Like, it's his first. And it's actually Tank Abbott. I'm like, dude, that that's actually pretty terrifying. But like, the next night, or like, the next episode like, yeah, Pete's about to fight. And he's like, fight starting. And then like, 10 seconds later, fight's over. <laughs> That's this this case here. He's like, alright, so shoot, and the match is over. <laughs> also, wrestling matches do not have turnouts like this. Wrestling tournaments don't even have turnouts like this. This is like the big game at the end of Teen Wolf. Like, this is huge. <laughs> Except no one's masturbating in the stands. Um, but yeah, this the they're losing their fucking minds for this guy. I'm like... You know how wrestling matches are, just like normal like meets on like a Tuesday night or like a Saturday. Yep. That's all you hear. That in in, in rest. Like there's nobody shouting. It's just it's pretty quiet in a cold gymnasium. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I don't know what, like, a a serious wrestling town would be in this country. I would have to imagine, like, Minnesota or something.
1: Iowa, Ohio, Pennsylvania, those would be some big, like, those have big schools, like, big colleges. Uh, But, yeah, Iowa's really big.
0: Yeah, I know know we do have, like, some wrestling talent out here in the Pacific Northwest, but in more recent years, uh, we've become more famous for MMA. Mm, Um, Like I said, Demetrius Johnson's one of them, um, but... I think probably that comes from maybe a little bit of a wrestling foundation out here or something, but I don't know. Uh, I certainly didn't go to any of those wrestling meets, but, (laughs) but yeah, uh, the people in the stands here are losing their fucking minds. Yes. Um, And like I said, I did really like that Shoots theme music when he marches out to the mat is the Jaws theme, like Mm -hmm. played with, you know, brass trumpets and whatnot. That's pretty fucking cool. (laughs) Like I would, I would be super hyped if I was him.
1: Well, they mentioned shark. Don't they mention Shark earlier is like uh don't no sharks die wait was that a different movie
0: sharks die if they stop moving like they stop swimming just stop swimming is that is that in this i don't think so i don't remember that but i mean oh no that was x-files i was watching the (laughs) (laughs) x-files
1: the deep throat says that the molder i just watched that episode (laughs) last night they just overlapped
0: (laughs) no that that's fact but um, i don't think that was in this movie but um around this time is when we get some drama around uh loudon's weight control where um daphne zuniga is in this film by the way um aka princess vespa from Spaceballs. oh Um, yes yeah (laughs) she's funny (laughs) she is i like her um but she has this like crush on him that Mm -hmm. you know what yeah dude go for that (laughs) yeah you go for her she's got a bow in her hair she's really jazzed about you and your interests like she seems like a healthier choice linda Yeah.
1: yeah carla's got a cloud over her dude she's got some problems
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah carl's got some miles on her yeah. <laughs> but but daphne zudiga she's she's perky she's fun and more importantly like i said she's interested in the things that he is interested in because they work at the school paper together and she's like praising him for his writing ability and whatnot um, he's often writing science papers but uh she runs up behind him because uh we have this moment where i can't remember the details of the poem but uh mr tanner and Uh, tells he like recites a poem to the class and asks like what does that mean to you it's like nothing gold will stay (laughs) it's like from what what, the outsiders or whatever but i don't remember what the meaning was supposed to come from it except for they talk about um a young person acknowledging that death comes for us all and that Mm -hmm. kind of sucks um and she approaches him in the hallway at his locker and says i I, you know loud and Swain, i think i love you and then he passes out yeah (laughs) it's a fun little beat but uh the coach takes some calipers to him and is like, hey, cut out, son. You're, you're putting your life in danger. I, uh, then, he, then he does the pegboard thing yeah. and he's like, you know, okay. what? I spoke too soon. <laughs> I, <laughs> I spoke it. too soon. <laughs>
1: I actually had this happen to me, not pass out, but uh, I was cutting weight for like a meet. And we had like a, before my high school was renovated, in the art room, there was like these two rooms. We had like a kiln in one and then the computers in the other. My buddy and I were back there. And I didn't have much to do in that class. So I was just laying down on the floor for a little bit and my friend left me there thinking i was going to get up and leave i slept through two classes before somebody uh noticed that i was in there and i they're like what the hell happened i'm like i, I don't know i just laid down for a second and my art teacher's like are you cutting weight right now i'm like yeah she's like you need to eat something like you you can't fall asleep like that in, in classes she was real concerned uh i still read. Well, <laughs> your, your body
0: was your body was probably eating its brain tissue so <laughs> <Pretty much>. yeah <laughs> uh yeah, yeah probably coach won't let go him ahead. cut
1: to 168 and like nah son you climb the peg thing I'm like all right loudon you got it
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's like five minutes of tension and that's like eh, never mind you're, you're you're good for the team go ahead drop all the weight you so want
1: loudon gets in trouble for writing a paper about the clitoris uh
0: yeah it, it's not like in trouble they just don't publish it oh well, he gets detention um, the like they're having
1: to clean up trash because she he wrote it and she published she's like i have my mom read it
0: I, see, I didn't put together that it was detention. I thought they were just doing, like, community service or something. Nah, that was, they were in trouble. Uh. <laughs> but, but, yeah, he's obsessed with uh, the female body, and he wants Jesus. to become a gynecologist at this point. This is also when he starts uh, his bleeding habit, where he starts uh, arm wrestling with Elmo, like this mm. end-of-day ritual. And I think it's funny that... Is Loudon Swain, like, a little bit of a Gary Stu? Because he doesn't have a whole lot of flaws. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Stewart. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit because during this arm wrestling contest, we don't actually see him lose. He just no. starts bleeding and then they stop. <laughs> yeah, no, he's invincible.
1: Uh, can I highlight my favorite exchange of dialogue from the film, real quick? It, it's in this scene. Uh, it's Hey Elmo, what do you know about the clitoris? And Elmo, his response is Well, I don't know what it looks like exactly, but I kind of know where it's at. Sort of. <laughs> it's, it's just so <laughs> casual.
0: Elmo's a very honest man. <laughs>
1: what What do you know about the clitoris?
0: I like that. Uh, Loudon has his like science books on the counter. Mm. He's like, "Is this cooch?" <laughs> that is yeah. cooch. That is cooch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's
1: where he gets his nosebleed. Then he sees his teachers out on a date with uh Carla. Mm. And he's giving yeah. both the cold shoulders.
0: Yeah, and we get the embarrassing. Um, rom-com trope of we need to get angry at each other for, like, normally this is, like, a whole act of a movie, but in this movie it's, like, ten minutes. Um, Basically, he starts avoiding Carla, and then they have a confrontation in the basement, where he spends most of his days. Um, And, yeah, this is where he he, uh, has his ugliest moment in the film, probably, where he basically, in as many words, says, like, you you fucked my teacher, why won't you fuck me? Yeah. It's...
1: Uh, just pull that right out of there dude like this Yeah, is uncomfortable.
0: That, yeah, that was uncomfortable although she handles it really well. She puts him in his place. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um but yeah, it's probably his ugliest like moment in the film where we get to see that he he's not perfect um and this is him being very immature and uh it's made more uncomfortable by the, by the fact that like you said he is 6'3" and and he is a strapping young lad in a basement with a young woman um but like i said she she handles it pretty well she like smacks him in the face and puts him up against the wall i guess he forgot all of his wrestling just then thankfully um and then he starts bleeding (laughs) like man (laughs) and that kind of draws an end to it but around this time is also when we get to see cooch's home situation we get we get to see the fellow that plays his dad and I'm going to have to look up this guy's name. Mr. Kuchera is placed by, played by uh, James Gammon. This um, is... I know this guy from Major League. Um, ah. He plays the the manager of the team, I believe.
1: See, this is common, I've noticed, in uh, sports movies. Uh, the Big Green has it, uh, Friday Night Lights. Uh, the movie Fighter is centered around this, where you have a shitbag family member who is a drug addict or a drunk. And that's a. I guess maybe that's a... Broken homes, I guess, tend to push people into these kinds of sports. I would say, like, it's a very frustrating way to live, like, especially if you're a teenager. And a good way to get that aggression out is through, you know, sports. And this seems like appropriate. But I was watching this. I'm like, dude, uh, Cooch, knock this guy out, because this is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why this exchange is so funny to me. He's like, you think you're a wrestler? You think you're tough? You think you're a wrestler? And he's just slapping him in the face. Ugh.
0: Yeah, and he's just kind of bowing his head and saying, yes, sir, yes, yeah, sir, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But he storms out of the house eventually after his dad, like, <laughs> like basically passes out on the couch of his own accord. But um, Loudon happens to be in the area, and cooch has a little bit of a breakdown here where the whole time it needs to be said he's like adorned with like native american like headdresses and bandanas and and even like cut off vests and and moccasins Um, uh um then there's a development here (laughs) yeah cooch is jake from
1: 16 candles if anybody's seen 16 candles but yeah that's that's Uh, jake but
0: yeah cooch introduces himself to most people Carla included as being half Native American and apparently that's not true at all it's just a thing he does to make himself feel special I guess uh yeah Cooch we know you're not Native American (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not hard to tell but it's interesting seeing this character like fess up and actually verbalize that like in a in a moment of vulnerability Uh, but there's like a neat little exchange here where Loudon's like And this is something that probably should be in more of these teen coming-of-age dramas is, like, Loudon enforces the idea that's, like, you know, sucks right now, but high school isn't your entire life story. So look forward to better things, buddy, because tomorrow's a new day and all that business. And like I said, a lot of these, like, 80s teen dramas in particular uh, fall prey to that idea that's, like, this is everything. Like, all that matters is what you do here and now. But this one's, like simultaneously looking beyond that and not. Um, because, like I said, this movie works a little better if you think of it as just like a bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't believe Loudon Swain's story ends up terribly happy after this point. <laughs> like, There's not a whole lot of signs pointing to him moving on to bigger and better things. But um, Anyway, we finally get some fucking wrestling. In this An wrestling
1: hour movie. and two minutes into the movie, we get a wrestling match. And this is actually uh, kind of good, kind of bad... Uh, you don't have like a football team like coming out of the locker room like, ah! like people cheering. There's no people there. Like the, the 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 bleachers are girlfriends and parents and siblings. That's the only people that are there. You do not have the graduating class watching the watching the wrestling meet. But this was giving me anxiety because uh, um, how it works is is you have you got your chairs, you got your team sitting there, you got one person wrestling. Generally, you have two to three people warming up. And this is where Loudon, you know, starts to do his jump rope and shit. I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, I can feel my heartbeat, like, increasing I'm like, because it can, it's a six-minute match, but you somebody could get pinned at any moment, so you could be warming up, and, like, the weight class below you just gets the, it's done, You're like, oh, shit, I'm out, I'm on now, so it's, there's quite a bit of anxiety getting ready, uh, getting ready to go out onto the mat.
0: Yeah, I like seeing them in the locker room beforehand, mm-hmm. like they they wisely like dialed back the soundtrack so there's like no music playing over those scenes of people just warming up in the locker room and i don't know it, it has a nice sense of tension to it where it's like you everybody has a task to perform and right now is the time when all of those negative thoughts kind of like bubble to the surface and you have to like push all that aside and like get the timing just right so you can actually perform because yeah that would suck to get get called up before you're ready like like Your your mind's not there yet, Um, but yeah, uh, Loudon finally gets a match here, and was this at one seventy eight, I believe?
1: Yes, this is one
0: seventy eight. Yeah, so he has this match, and it seems like he's doing fairly well. Like he's actually winning this match. Mm -hmm. Um, It it is back and forth, but he is winning for the most part. I did like um, it's fitting for his character to say "nice hair" (laughs) before they start before they face off, because it needs to be said, Matthew Modine, like he's kind of a smart aleck type character he has this like perpetual grin on his face and because he's so tall and like lanky he has like an aloofness to him that it's very fitting for this kind of character and i you and i were both talking before we started recording that it i can see why they picked him to be joker in full metal jacket like it it works it really does work and it works here too um but i just like that exchange nice hair and the guy I couldn't tell if he was being genuine or not because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he has that way about him where it's like, are you it, are you making fun of him or were you just saying that because you thought his hair looked nice? <laughs> um, but then they rip into each other and uh, unfortunately, the match gets called. Um, like he, he loses by default um, because he has a nosebleed that just won't stop um, as we saw earlier in the film. Um, and, of course, he's fucking pissed. Uh, the whole team is pissed, Otto especially, because I mean, Otto can't help himself. He's He's got to throw down with somebody, even if it's not his turn. Um, and all signs point to maybe the meat as a whole not going so hot for the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get another exchange with Shoot here, where uh, they have a confrontation in the bathroom, which that's not a place I want to have a confrontation no. with anyone, let alone somebody who wants to tear my head off. Yeah. Um, but basically, shoot says like you can't hack it like you're a bleeder you're you're not gonna make the weight and you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to wrestle me um it needs to be said too carla's get up here like she's like from a different time period she looks like a flapper or something like, <laughs> <laughs> like, i was like i was getting a little bit of like adrian from rocky vibes like rocky one vibes but yeah she's got this like flapper hat and like she's dressed up like it looks like she's from the 1930s or 1940s or something. There was
1: this kid that I wrestled every year, and he was usually one of my first matches of the year. And he beat me my first year, and then I beat him twice the second year, and then I beat him again that third year. I think what you could have done with this story was have, like, have Shoot be, like, a guy who's just been, like, leading the weight class for years. And, like, the year before, Loudon wrestled him, and he just, like, just embarrassed him, just completely humiliated him. And then you have – and then, like, maybe this year, shoot has gone down a weight class. So now Loudon's like, well, now I want to go down a weight class just so I can avenge that loss. I think that would have made a much more fun, a much more fun story.
0: I agree, actually. That, that small change would have, would have made things a lot more interesting, and it would have made more sense. It, it just – you know, he has a personal vendetta against this person. He feels like he has to, he has to get that run back, you know, mm-hmm. um, even at the cost of his own health or something. Um, it would be cool to have shoot actually have more character and have more history with his character, um, but that's not the movie we got, unfortunately. <laughs> I, think we could, I
1: think we can actually make a wrestling. I think we could write a wrestling movie. I think we could do it.
0: Oh, absolutely! No, I, like I said, the the sport itself seems ripe for all sorts of storytelling possibilities. I mean, just the weight cutting alone, um, and just the like you said, the the nature of these matchups, where it's like yes the the frequency at which you have matches you are going to face people more than once mm-hmm. like if you remain at a certain weight or a district yeah. um and yeah that makes sense instead of like building up to this this grand challenge that's feels so incredibly far off by the time we start the film like it, like this movie is fairly long it's like an hour 50 basically yeah um could have used some trimming yeah. <laughs> to be honest um but yeah i I think wrestling serves as a really good foundation for storytelling but um this is where we get a a little episode where carla gives him a smooch at this diner after he lost by
1: default (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and i like that he shuts up and he's just like okay I'm just going to take that and be happy with it.
1: Well, doesn't she kind of give him like a, like a kiss on the cheek and he tries to get like a, a mouth on it. Like he
0: try- oh, that's a, uh, that's after he passes out at school. Um, she, uh, she shows up after he passes out at school oh, I love it. and uh, like confronts him in the hallway to like check to see if he's okay. And this is also where she refers to him as a uh, stepbrother. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, that's not what I want to hear. But um, when she says bye to him, uh, she goes in for a peck on the cheek, and he just kind of like tries to turn his head into her, it's and like it doesn't Mark, quite work.
1: Mark Wahlberg and the other guys, when he meets Alan's wife, <laughs> <He> trying <laughs> to give her like a hug goodbye, and he tries to go in for the kiss. And she's just like, oh no. And they, they don't even address it; it just kind of happens.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, they start to warm up to each other here. They have like a fun little moment in the grocery store together, where uh, he causes a mess in the grocery aisles. That's not cool, Loudon. Somebody yeah, has to cool. clean that up. Um, but they go on a road trip together. Yeah, I didn't um,
1: understand what this was all about. I, they, I guess they go to get his
0: grandpa or something. Uh, the the old Ronnie, guy from Home Alone. Yeah, uh, the Shovel old man, man Marley. From, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shovel Man has he has like a terrific old man face. Like he's a very handsome old man with that kind of beard. You know,
1: he looks like Albert Fish. Albert Fish was an American serial killer. Uh, like he was real. Like. If you just kind of read up on him just a little bit, you're like, "Oh, this guy was an absolute monster." Uh, but it was before press was really big for serial killers, so he kind of just goes under the radar. But if you look him up, he, this old man looks like him, and this old man would have done an awesome job uh, doing a like a movie about him because this guy
0: is creepy. He he's very charismatic, though. Like in this and Home Alone, like when he does get to speak, he has a, he has a pleasant speaking voice. He has that like. Old, old-timey prospector looked to yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, he lives off in the wilderness, like in a in a shack that it may as well be um, the, the cabin from Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, Ronnie Cox apparently can't go out there. Like he said, my dad is uh, sick and I want to go visit him out in his cabin, but I have job interviews, which opens up a whole new can of worms for the story where it's like, hang on, You've been letting this lady live here rent free and you have been unemployed for yeah. how many months? <laughs>
1: Alimony, dude. She cheated oh. on him.
0: Yeah, that's right. She, she fucked around on him. Mm. Alimony, Ron- bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Cox has a plan. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, Loudon and Carla, they go out. They volunteer to go check on Grandpa um, on his behalf because he has job interviews and stuff. And they go on this road trip in this old beater truck. And, uh, uh, things get kind of com- get kind of comfortable slash cozy here. Uh, it gets
1: I- we- it gets weird uh, where she says you'll make you'll wake up with an asshole the size of the Lincoln Tunnel, and I d- he was talking about something, but I'm just like, wait, what? How did that come about? Like, <laughs> did you just have that he- in your back pocket?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, she had that like in the holster, ready to go, <laughs> ready um, to they- go. Basically, he says like. Uh, i i dream of like someday like i i have tea with me because like hopefully someday i can come across somebody pulled over on the side of the road like a rich person and i can give them tea and then they'll share some of their wealth with me and i can live a better life after that and she's like actually <laughs> like You're, that's gonna happen yeah and he's like I, I never would have thought that but thanks for sharing <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they they get cozy together in the truck, and this is where he shares his details about uh, nocturnal emissions. I
1: have it written down in my notes nocturnal emissions
0: uh-huh to a a young woman who he doesn't know that well um, and is stuck in a truck with um, for x number of hours that 's a little uncomfortable he 's got like serial killer confidence. Like, he's more like Travis Bickle than Yeah, he's a little bit of a sociopath. I don't think he understands the imposition he makes on people when he says these things. Yeah. <laughs> um, creeping around, dude. But yeah, they, uh, they apparently stop on the side of the road and pitch a tent. And yeah, more like, it's way. that long of a trip that they have to pitch a tent and sleep. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, okay,
1: so... You're in Spokane, but it looks like you're still in the Pacific Northwest when it, wherever they get to. So, I'm like, where did you drive to? Like, Vancouver? Like, where, where are you going to get Peepaw at?
0: Yeah, I I don't know, but apparently it was a long enough drive that they had to sleep, like, in the middle of the night in the woods. Uh, but, yeah, they, they meet up with Grandpappy, and uh, grandpappy's, a, grandpappy's a woodsman. <laughs> he's got his guns. He's He doesn't have any dogs, unfortunately, but he's got his guns. He's happy out in the cabin. Uh, he has a sickly cough and some medications, so it's probably not a good idea for him to be alone out there. Um, I did like that she, uh, Carla, shoots uh, Louden a look like like she has like some sparkles in her eyes where she looks gravely concerned because like Louden's just kind of like pussyfooting around things and just be like, "Yep, that's Grandpappy. He's he's independent and stuff," and she's like glaring at Loudon like. You gotta push. You gotta push this guy out of this cabin. It's not good for him. Mm. Um, but nothing really comes of it. But they they go walking around a lake, and uh, she uh, apparently fucks him in the in the tall grass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we don't see it, but they start making out in the tall grass, and uh, we cut away from that back to them in the truck. And then he says, "I was good, right?" Yeah. So we're yeah. led to believe that they got to they got to fucking in that tall grass. Yeah, and then they're having some pizza, which. I th- again, I thought this was gonna like set him back. I'm
1: like you're eating pizza, you can't be. Eat- oh my god, pizza sounds so good right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had I haven't had bread hardly at all for like the, the past month. Um, pizza sounds really good. I think I'm to get pizza tonight. Um, <laughs> the, like I thought this was gonna set him back because I actually missed weight one time because I I was around. It was like re- around Thanksgiving or Christmas, and I just like I couldn't stop eating stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you'll actually miss weight. So I thought he was gonna get really close to having to miss weight. But it doesn't. And then they have the take my breath away uh, bang session back at the uh, hopefully they went to his room upstairs and not that grungy basement.
0: It, it was it was upstairs. It okay. was in in, in her room slash his room. But um, yeah, uh, that there's some dialogue exchange when they're having the pizza where I guess this is where she puts together that if she keeps being close with him in this way, he is going to fall off he's going to like get off track and not be able to make weight and stuff. So she excuses herself uh, from the relationship, Um, but not before having a a second fuck session um, Mm -hmm. in the bedroom, Um, which is kind of curious in terms of pacing because they just did that off screen, mind you, like two minutes ago. (laughs) So just bang, bang. (laughs) And, and then she's gone. Um, And we get that moment where he like, runs upstairs after wrestling practice and stuff and he's she like gone. calling it yeah her her bedroom is cleared out and by the way she dressed up that room real nice mm-hmm. um and she's an artist by the way and she uh at one point draws a picture of him that's terrible not half bad <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. i was she's trying like, to be i was trying to be diplomatic but yeah <laughs> it,
1: her, it's it's fine if it's a doodle but she's just like i'm gonna go to la to be an artist isn't that funny and then she shows him the picture i'm like yeah i think you I don't
0: think it's going to go very well for you. Well, Why are you going to go to <laughs> L.A. to be an artist? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, of course, he's disappointed in this. And we get, a, like, our our last training session. Um, but this... before that, it's kind of neat. He kind of, like, clears the air with everybody around him. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of neat by the time we get to the finale of the movie. Because, like like Kyle had said, it, it is a little unrealistic that the stands are as packed as they are throughout this movie. But it is very cool seeing, like, almost every character that was supportive of him in the movie in the stands during the final match. Mm-hmm. And uh, he make a, he makes amends with Mr. Tannernan because uh, he was giving him the cold shoulder after he thought they uh, he and Carla were boinking. Yeah. Um, but then he confirms it in, in the most awkward of ways where he's like, I'm glad you weren't sticking it to Carla. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says
1: it, like, this guy tried to grab my knob damn near pulled it off like he's talking about the dude that filled him up in the hotel yeah just... when
0: he's selling cooch like, what yeah. happened
1: <laughs> thanks for not fucking my girl bro yeah
0: yeah to your teacher <laughs> yeah to your teacher <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of fucked but yeah we have our last training session it has a really upbeat atmosphere to it where like it ends with a big dog pile with everybody and yeah like, they're yeah, you can tell that they're unified as a team and everybody's in a good place mentally. And Kyle, refresh my memory because I think I was fucking around on my phone or something. But what happens um, before the meet when uh, he goes to visit Elmo? Yeah, see, this
1: is where in a movie like this, Loudon's not there for weigh-ins just yet. Like he's just in his regular clothes and he's going to see Elmo. Yeah. I guess he's just kind of distraught because Carl is gone. And I was like, dude, it's... They don't spend enough time showing him being, like, really upset that she's gone. Like, it would make more sense if... Th- this happened earlier in the film, and he's kind of just, like, given up. But it's literally five minutes before the match. And this is where, in the movie, you would have Elmo giving some kind of, like, speech... Or, like, some kind of advice. But he just tells him a story about Pele, and I'm like, huh? Like, that did nothing for me. Like, it's a terrible moment in a sports movie. This is a huge moment. That speech and Miracle, the speech in Any Given Sunday... This is where you have that speech. And it's not there. Also, no, the- <laughs> Elmo has got beer cans and liquor and cigarettes just all over this shitty apartment of his. This is not the guy like you the need to be taking of, advice
0: from. I like the touch of the uh, cuts on his face because yeah. he shaved. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of neat, though. He, he took off work just to go to the wrestling meet. And, you know, it shows that he's a good supportive friend. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the dialogue exchange here is puzzling. It's yeah. it's akin to Billy Madison with the puppy that lost his way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, everyone here is now dumber. Dumber for having heard it, yes. <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Um, because, yeah, he tells him a story about Pele and how it was cool that he saw him do a bicycle kick, and the crowd went nuts, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's barely relevant to anything. Um, but, yeah, this is supposed to be, like, that big moment where what he has to tell him here is like the it's like the climax of this drama of the movie aside from the match where it's like something really insightful and precise has to be imparted to him at this point like some massively important motivating factor has to be expressed here but it's just nonsense nothing yeah <laughs> pele huh what does that no, have I to mean, do it, anything we we do get it at the end of the match and i don't know like we'll we'll get into the match in just a second here but i don't know Um, what like timeout what the timeout situation is in wrestling Um, because i know stamina is such a huge factor in the practice of wrestling Mm -hmm. i would imagine calling timeout and things like that is uh, there has to be restrictions against it
1: i think there Um, might be a time limit on like trying to get bleeding to
0: stop but there has to be because like i said if you're giving people the chance to catch their breath you're going to get a different outcome.
1: I know you can forfeit a match by not being able to stop bleeding, but I've never seen it personally, but I know it does happen. So I'm not entirely sure. I've seen injury timeouts where it, it does take a little bit of time, but it wasn't for bleeding. And, like, the person just was done. Like, they couldn't they couldn't go anymore after that. Like, they sprained something.
0: Okay, well, I'll, I'll have more to say about that in a second, but um, what the coach tells him when he sends him out there for the final stanza of the match is... What you would expect to be said here, where it's yeah. like you know all that you know all that shit you have in your basement now is the time to clear it out, mm-hmm. like but that doesn't come till later and elmo like like I said, everything that Elmo says to him here it's just like, well, that was a waste of my fucking time, yeah. <laughs> um, but we get the weigh ins right after this, and Loudon's late, and he very nearly forfeits the match because of that, mm-hmm. and basically, like shoot is in the process of weighing in, and he makes weight, of course. And uh, Loudon shows up at the very last second, and uh, he strips completely naked to make weight, um, which I'm surprised he didn't. I'm surprised he didn't do that to you, begin with. though. They
1: make you like first thing you do. Okay, so there's one thing. If you know you're a wrestler, if you walk into a locker room and you see three dudes in their underwear standing on their heads, <laughs> because that's just you can just see that before weigh-ins. So first thing you do is uh, everybody drops down to their underwear and you check how much you weigh on that scale because scales are not the same and each school scales are different so you need to see where you're at if you're too if you're point two over like you got to go for a little jog or something so he comes in you get to weigh in one time so you if you go in on your clothes that's how much you weigh so i don't know why he did that
0: he needed to go straight in naked i think that was for drama but yeah. yeah, realistically, it's like, you know how difficult this has been. Take no chances. Just strip and do it. Yeah. Or do like Daniel Cormier and find a towel to grab. <laughs> Did you hear about that, Kyle? Uh-uh. Uh, there was a controversy with Daniel Cormier making weight one time where um, they were holding up like a towel in front of him to cover his shame. Um, and he, he put his palms on top of it. And people were theorizing that by pressing his weight down on, like, a sh- stretched, rigid surface. He was taking some of his weight off of the scale oh. or something. <laughs> no,
1: all, but I do love the detail. Uh, Loudon exhales when he goes onto the scale. Yes, yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, that but, was cool. It's a cool sequence, like, and it, it's very tense because the entire movie has been building up to this. To this and, moment. Yeah. He shoots and scared, he, too. He's nervous. Yeah, yeah, there's actually a lot of talk of that throughout the movie that's like, you know, him showing up to, you know, talk shit to you after your your loss by default probably means that he's nervous about facing you otherwise he wouldn't bother mm-hmm. um but yeah we finally get to the big match but before that um we get very very good use of uh the soundtrack but not before um we get carla saying her goodbye um, where she shows up with her big hair again um in her leather jerry seinfeld jacket <laughs> 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 and- <laughs> In the in the locker room, uh, so she makes herself known. That it's like you know I didn't completely skip town just yet, but he's like lacing up his shoes and stuff, and she comes by and she just just like says like hey you know I I thought I was gonna get you off track, and actually when they when they were sleeping together in in his bedroom, uh, she said like the one thing I want from you is to make the weight and wrestle the wrestle fucking shoot. Uh- there's something
1: about this character that reminds me of something like Charles Bukowski would say about uh, a bar patron. you be like, yeah, that's Carla. She's from New York. She drifted through Spokane one time, fuck some high schooler a couple of days before a wrestling match he had. Now she's here trying to be an artist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the saga of Carla. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically she says like, I dipped out because I wanted you to stay on task and, uh, Bye, and they say their goodbyes essentially, and uh, yeah, we get this moment where he's alone in a gymnasium with with an overhead light, so we can get mm-hmm. maximum abs. Yeah, he got that. He got that good ab light. Oh, that good over light. Yeah, overhead light. Yep, you gotta get that ab light, man. <laughs> but he's like warming up, and uh, Lunatic Fringe is playing, which, like I said, has been played several times in the film up to this point. However, it's only like the opening bits of it. And we finally get to the chorus of it, the electronic chorus of it. Um, and they time it so he kicks open the door to the next gymnasium, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know filled with a roaring crowd and stuff. And they, the PA calls out loud and swaying uh, in time with the chorus of the song. It's a really cool 80s moment. Um, and this movie doesn't have a whole lot of those. So I was like, mm-hmm. I was ready for it. And thankfully they delivered, um, which brings us to the big match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, like we said, it, it's it's a doozy. It's actually really well executed in a movie that doesn't have a whole lot of wrestling in it.
1: No, it's it's a. I really enjoyed it. I it felt real. Um, I do love the the. The first two quarters, there's a little bit of shoot. Uh, does some like things that would get him penalized. I think he does get penalized for something. Uh, he does a pretty does. hard a pretty hard throw, which they'll you can get disqualified for a really hard throw like that. Um, but. What I had a little bit of trouble with was, like, he's like, you're four points down, and there's 46 seconds left in the period, so he basically has to get a pin. Like, he's not going to get four more points. Um, but this fucking mat Smack, I felt this mat Smack. Like, <laughs> there's, that's the best feeling in the world is when you are, you are about to, you're, like, so tired, and you're like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this, and you just got him in the, in the, like, you've got him in the pin. You've got their... Like they're just right there, and you're holding it for a few seconds, and like, come on, come on, call it, and you just hear the, the smack, and like, ah, finally, and it's done. It's just, it's a great feeling, and I felt it for him this time, like watching.
0: Well, technique aside, I think the real winner of the match was Matthew Modine's pointed chin, because he's like (laughs) digging it into Shoot's shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 something you do. and, I mean, if you've seen the shape of his skull, that's pointy, man. That, that'll that cut through the muscle.
1: But, My, a friend um, of mine yeah. taught, uh, showed me a way to uh, whenever you're tying up, you see them tie up, you can actually get, like, a good uh, elbow hit into the head. There's some, there's some dirty stuff that you can do. It, it's very subtle. But, yeah, the chin is something that people do also.
0: Yeah, so I had some questions about the rules. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I was learning all of this on the fly. And I I think I got a decent understanding of it. But there's some subtleties that aren't terribly important but I'd just like to know for um, personal insight but um so I talked to you about this before we started recording um points are accumulated over the course of a match and a pin draws a halt to a match entirely correct yeah Pin. okay so so do your point total your your personal point totals in your match is that is that applied to like a pool for the entire team for your entire team yes so like if you get 15 points and the next guy gets 15 the whole team has 30 at that point yeah so is there in by that logic wouldn't there be incentive to not pin people like go for more points as opposed to end that match
1: i don't i don't know how the tally works um like i don't really know how the tally works completely but you have to go with your strengths. Like, some people, once you get to a certain... Like, one of our guys, like he would go the full six minutes. Every single time he'd go the full six minutes. Uh, this just was his style. He was a defensive wrestler, and he would just accumulate points that way. Uh, take downs and let him go. Take down, let him go. He would just get points like that. Other of us, we were we would try to pin. Like, we were constantly... That's, that's two minutes of trying to pin. Two minutes of trying to pin. Uh, so I think it just goes with your strengths, but when you I think when you get to a certain point like when you have a team that's built around the team aspect of wrestling as opposed to the individual you might have a coach that's like we're just trying to get points so it, it's going to change the style
0: okay because what I'm thinking is like if you're trying to win the whole meet wouldn't it make sense to have your people try to accumulate as many points as possible
1: yeah and that's why you have so you have a takedown they'll let them go take that's two points take down let them go that other person gets a point but you
0: still have two points yeah so but what if what if you get one point and then a pin and that's it that's the whole match. i can't
1: i can't remember how i can't remember how that how the points add up like that okay
0: well, um, the other question was about uh slams because mm-hmm. we do get one of those where uh shoot is penalized for a slam and uh this is just me guessing but what is is a slam when you are no longer in contact with them and they're just airborne no it's like hip, hip hip tosses and takedowns aren't that's part of the rules like you can do that but like what he does is he like takes his leg out from under him and just like drops him on his back
1: it's more like you want to drop somebody like a bowling ball like like you just want to get them down fast you don't want to extend up bring them up higher like there was that there was an mma fighter that did one of the best suplexes i've ever seen but he brings this dude up and like jumps off the ground and slams him down, which I guess was fine. Cause it was the MMA with the in the boxing ring, not the MMA. Bob, the that
0: would be Bob Sapp, probably. And I think it was one of the Nogiro brothers. He he literally jackknife power him. Yeah. He did a a wrestling move, yeah. not a not a wrestling move. A wrestling move. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's all in. It, it, same with like football. Like before, you could decimate, just completely light up a quarterback and hit him like anybody else. Now you can still hit and tackle a quarterback. But you have to be you have to do it gingerly, you can't just you be, have
0: to wrap him and yeah. like actually do an educated tackle as opposed to just like barrel like barrel yeah. charge him straight in the chest.
1: yeah there, there's a certain amount of effort that you're allowed to give in a throw, and it's however much is necessary to get them down, not above and beyond.
0: See, I think that's really fascinating about combat sports. So much of his subjective, but like, it changes, <laughs> personally. I kind of like that.
1: But it changes from style. They're wrestling folk style, which is different than freestyle. Freestyle, it's it's different. You can throw, and there's a lot more throwing in freestyle. It's it's a little bit different.
0: Okay, that's an important distinction because I actually didn't know uh, which style of wrestling this is. So folk style. Um, but yeah, the progression of the match is pretty neat. Like it's it's mostly evenly matched for the most part, um, and. Both guys get points for escapes and takedowns. It's it's fucking thrilling, and it needs to be said. Tangerine Dream did the score for this movie, and I know you're a fan of theirs, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not present throughout most of the movie, uh, except for during the wrestling sequences, where it turns into like action synth music, and it's it's a decent piece of music. Like it, it's it's thrilling. It feels of its time, um, and the photography here is is solid. Like part of what makes it so thrilling is that you can you can clearly see both actors faces and like i said shoot i don't think is an actor i think matthew modine more than likely did some wrestling at some point in his life because he's acquitting himself pretty well here
1: yeah i, I was paying attention to that There's a save by the bell where ac slater does a wrestling match i like ac slater does not know how to wrestle that was the goofiest thing i've ever seen i was paying attention to matthew modine i'm like oh yeah he's actually doing a good job of trying to get out like uh get out from under I'm like, yeah. I think that he actually probably did wrestle, or at least did some training for a while.
0: No, he absolutely did, because uh, the way this choreography is carried out is like, you can't fake a lot of this. Mm-mm. Like, there's just all there's so much contact, and they're they're tied up with each other for almost the entire thing. That you are going to take some bumps, you are going to take some bruises, and it's going to look like complete crap if you don't do it legit. Um, it's not like a like a striking choreography or something with like martial arts where you can play to the camera and like whip your head around and have the person punching literally two feet in front of you like you can't cheat it that way because they're both tied up with each other and they're rolling around on the mat Um, but yeah uh, he starts bleeding again towards the end of the match I think there's 27 seconds left Um, and they there's multiple pauses in the action um, for bleeding and for him being slammed and whatnot Uh, very similar to Karate Kid which you know came out I think just before this um where there's a little bit of cheating going on there's a little bit of foul play there's also an injury of some sort <clears throat> um and that's why i was asking about like timeouts and what the what the restrictions are on those because um because of the nosebleed loud they're separated loud and shoot and loudon is sent over to his corner uh to have his coach like try to put a wet towel on his nose and stuff but while he's over there the coach can be giving him advice Mm -hmm. and you know he's providing counsel and he's also getting a breather um, which is why i was like there has to be rules against that because you much like boxing or something like there have been instances where people spit out their mouthpiece so they can have an excuse to get a breather uh, so they can return to their corner and like they have to wash it off and like put it back in their mouth and in between all that they can be whispering in their ear, like, Hey, get the fucking side on him. Like, There's like...
1: so little time in wrestling matches. It's six minutes broken up into two minutes. So you, if you are gassed after the first two minutes, then you weren't in shape in the first place. Like you you should be able to go with the whole six minutes. I mean, you might be gassed at the end of the six, but you should be able to go. You should be in pretty good shape. Um, if anything, the, mat, the, the match would have been disqualified because of uh, shoots throw. Because uh, if he was penalized for that, and you've also got a guy writhing in pain because of it, that's going to be a disqualification. But I don't know. Oh what yeah, the rules he, were he could
0: out. have he could have flopped that. He could have played it up and been like, "Oh, I can't continue. Win by default." You know? Yeah. That would have been a shitty. But that's not how you want to win. That's not how you want to do well, it. I mean, that would be the worst ending to this particular yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loudon Swain, legendary wrestler, wins by default. <laughs> um But the reason why I've been in- interrogating you about the rules of wrestling is because I-, I had this idea for Loudon Swain's, like, the finale of his journey. And, like, there's a lot of instances where Otto, in particular, and the other members of the wrestling team are critical of Loudon for maybe being, like, a-, a glory hog of some sort. Mm-hmm. Like,. Like like we had said um, before we started recording, you were you were running through a whole list of problems with how he went about dropping this weight. Yeah. Uh, because the the varsity system for placement and whatnot, you were explaining to me that by by taking other people's spots, he's essentially breaking the lineup.
1: <laughs> Typically, if you if you're going up a weight class, you're probably going to get beat because you're in that weight class for a reason. But he's dropping two weight classes down, so. If he's varsity at 190, and he's knocking the varsity spot out of 168, well not, or 178, well, now you don't have your varsity spot for 190. You have somebody who's JV, which they might still be able to win, they might not, and that's even if you have somebody there. Or he's going to have to bump up a weight class, in which case he's probably going to get beat. And then you have him going down again, which you have your 178 back, but now you've knocked your 168 out, and you still have that 190 spot. So yeah, it's kind of shitty what he's doing because he's knocking another varsity person out of their spot.
0: Yeah, what I what I considered being a possible outcome for this movie being was, there's a lot of talk of uh, Loudon trying to get into college. And it sounds like the only way he can do that um, in his current situation is through a wrestling scholarship. And at one point he even has a meeting off screen, by the way, uh, with some coaches from WSU. <laughs> yeah. And... uh it's explained both by the coach and by, you know, other characters in the periphery that uh, if he just stays the course, if he just, you know, rocks it this season at 190, he'll probably get a scholarship to WSU and he can, you know, go on his merry way to potentially becoming a gynecologist, I guess. <laughs> Jeez, Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, the, the point I'm trying to drive at here is that because of all the the noise of all of his teammates, like objecting to his, his methods and because of breaking up the team and stuff, I was thinking maybe a resolution to the story would involve him maybe putting the team in, in higher regard as opposed to his own personal ambition. Yeah. Um, because there's no assurance that beating this shoot guy will get him the scholarship that he's been gunning for and has been, you know, ruminating on throughout the entire movie. Um, whereas maybe being a team player or something and carrying the, the team to bigger and better things or something. Um, I thought there was a possibility that maybe the way he conducts the match would shoot or something. Maybe he would like win by losing or something like accumulate a shit ton of points in some way, um, but ultimately lose the match maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's not that kind of movie. Um, we get our feel good ending where um, the whole final stanza of the match is carried out in slow motion. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, being as I was able to figure out what was happening in normal at normal speed. Like, I didn't need slow motion to tell me what was happening. Um, but yeah, basically he gets uh, shoot in some sort of, do you know what the name of this uh, pin or lock would be? I
1: can't even remember what it was. Sometimes you get into just awkward positions where you have a takedown and you have like a half move where it's just you take advantage of their back being exposed to the mat. So you're just like, you just try to grab something to try to get them pinned. So I think that was kind of the situation here. I think he was maybe close to a headlock or I'm not entirely sure what the throw is. I'd have to, to go back and see it. Um, the important thing is, is that he wins.
0: Yeah. The important thing is he wins by pin. Uh, there's a little bit of awkward editing here where he just appears on his feet. Uh, we don't get that grand shot of him like springing up from the mat. Like mm-hmm. I know you haven't seen it, but Rocky three has one of the, uh, the most painful looking celebration jumps I've ever seen in a movie where the idea is Rocky's supposed to be completely exhausted, and he jumps up in the air, puts his gloves to his face, and then he, like, falls on his toes and backwards, so, like, his legs just crumble underneath him. Um, I was expecting something like that, but no, he just pops up on his feet with his hand raised. There's a famous shot of Michael Jordan winning
1: his first conference title. It's either conference or NBA championship. I think it was a conference final. And he sinks, like, a three, and they win, and he jumps up, like, 10 feet in the air it's an enormous leap and he says get the fuck out of here I guess everybody had been talking shit about the bulls and it was it's an awesome moment like that's one of the greatest like last seconds of a, of a game is this that shot is that of him
0: yeah I, I could have gone for something like that being as we spent two hours watching this kid try to do this thing but shoot is just kind of excused from the movie at this point <laughs> like no like we don't even get the Aww. customary we don't even get the customary good game like that's that's a thing in in these kinds of sports movies is like more often than not the bad guy comes around and is not a complete dick after he loses like karate kid has uh billy zabka like handing daniel russo the the trophy and like saying you're all right russo and it's hinted that you know any problems that they had are are done with now i don't i can't speak for Cobra Kai I haven't been watching that show but what I'm saying is there's, there's usually a ritual that plays out in these kinds of movies where the villain is revealed to just be a person not like a, a villain out to get you uh, but yeah shoots not in another shot of this movie he just disappears he's gone yeah. <laughs> he's on the bus he's out of town <laughs> but um, yeah uh, it's basically a, a mega happy ending and mm. we get a freeze frame because 80s and uh, we close the way we began with the uh, narration. And I, I had another one of those puppy that lost his way moments where everything he's saying here is like, I don't think that means anything. No. <laughs> it's like you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you believe it does.
1: This is how you end sports movies in the 80s. Freeze frame on the last shot of the hero conquering the villain. That's it.
0: Karate Kid has one of the best endings. It's just it's just the kick lands the whole crowd rush rushes him mr miyagi smiles credits yeah that's that's all you need the story's over doesn't need to go any further than that um but this one tries to mean something at the end i'm guessing this dialogue is taken directly from the book or something um but yeah i don't know what the future holds for loud and swain at this point like i don't know if he got those scholarships um i don't know if he ever hooked up with daphne zuniga um, I don't know if his fucking dad ever got another job <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Cooch ended up murdering his dad in his sleep <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I could see a vision quest 2 happening uh, except it's uh, the downhill everybody did not do so well after high school
0: Cooch is going mean, to end up in
1: prison Yeah.
0: oh yeah Cooch is he's on, he's on the express yeah. route <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah um, hope you enjoyed this one uh it's kind of fun it's kind of
0: fun to revisit for me no this is a fun one like i said it's more of a coming of age drama than a sports movie but when we do get to the sports it's good yeah and i could i could have done with more of more of an emphasis on the wrestling but that's just personal preference um it is a solid coming of age drama um with a young man kind of uh get trying to get too friendly with a Older woman mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's certainly awkward at times, but uh, it's 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 not a bad film. I I feel like it deserves to be lumped in with a lot of those classic nineteen eighties sports dramas. Well, I'm hoping uh,
1: somebody with a wrestling background who's a director uh, takes notice of it and is like, "Oh, I could do a good wrestling movie. Like it can be done. It can definitely be shot. Uh, I think it, it can happen."
0: Yeah. No. And it sounds like uh, I mean wrestling's always going to attract athletes to it like part of part of the advantage that wrestling has over some other contact sports like like boxing and stuff like that is that it is embedded in school systems Mm -hmm. um as far as i understand like internationally um wrestling is a way to make a living um not so much in the states it's Mm -hmm. more just amateur stuff and olympic programs but it's a grappling is a it's like it's like cabbage man Every, everybody has grappling and everybody has cabbage. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 something that like if you have that skill set, um, there is an avenue for you to actually profit from it. You just have to be really fucking good and be willing to hop on a plane. because um, I I know grappling competitions exist all over the planet. Um, but like I said, not so much here. Uh, however, it seems like uh, maybe with all the CTE talk going around with like like combat sports and stuff. Uh, maybe we will see some growth in wrestling because, you know, you get cauliflower ear and whatnot, but generally, as far as I know, you don't get serious head trauma and stuff from wrestling. Uh, so maybe, you know, parents and, and school systems and athletic programs will start to favor pushing kids towards that rather than football, um, it's still, because that that's been a problem these days.
1: It's still entertaining. If I if if there's like college championships or like college matches on TV, and I'm just like like scrolling through, or if I'm like just somewhere where it's playing, I'll watch it for a little bit. I'm like oh shit, let's see what's happening in this match. Just just to kind of watch, because uh, it's entertaining. I, f- I feel like it's more entertaining to watch
0: than uh,
1: jujitsu jiu- tournaments, personally.
0: I I would agree, and uh, I guess the Tokyo Olympics, if they if they ever fucking happen. Um, I feel bad for the people making the merch for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics mm. cuz all that shit it's like the uh, Wonder Woman Doritos <laughs> where it's like it, it's got to go somewhere um, but uh, it's looking like maybe we'll have a 2021 Olympics maybe uh the prime ministers pushing for it um but we'll see um as far as I understand wrestling is part of the like inter- internationally televised products for the for the upcoming Olympics Uh, so i i feel like there is a future for wrestling having some serious growth Um, i I think we're in a good spot to see that and i wouldn't mind that because i I do think it's fun to watch um i don't regularly watch it but like you if it's available to me i do find myself like captivated by it yeah um but yeah that being said this was a vision quest from 1985 uh, directed by harold becker and uh if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to reach out to us there. And uh, the podcast is available on pretty much any platform you can imagine. So Google it. Um, but that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.
1: Yeah.